Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that visits multiple spirit Halloween stores in a given week in September just to check and see what the Ghostbusters costume and prop stock and layout look like. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Vink Maniac on the internet. And yes, indeed, I've been to multiple spirit Halloweens, largely to see what is there and what isn't. And let me tell you that you can probably find proton packs out there. You can probably find you know, uh, Ghostbusters flight suits out there. You can probably find goggles, maybe even PKE meters, but what I haven't seen out there in the wild yet is ghost traps. What's up with that? Uh, anyway, if you're looking for stuff at Spirit Halloween, it's out there, um, and the Halloween season is coming. And this week, we're getting to talk with Matt Zunick of the Los Angeles Ghostbusters about the charity and fundraising opportunities that they're going to be involved in during this Halloween season. I'm actually really excited to talk with Matt because the last time that we got to speak with him was right as the writer's strike was starting when he came on the podcast to sort of give us a little primer about the writer's strike and you. And as he's coming on, the writer's strike appears to be not over yet, but potentially coming to a close where we're getting back a little bit to normal. So uh, as Matt is one of our friends of the podcast who works in the entertainment industry and who's been sort of uh, pushed into the sidelines of being able to do work, I'm very excited to see him be able to get back to do things um, and to be able to go out and do, you know, more Ghostbuster stuff that he's going to be doing. So he's talking with us this week about the things they're going to be doing at Seaside Oddities Expo, which is happening uh, in Ventura County, California, where I happen to live, uh, as well as some things they're going to be doing coming up with Starlight Foundation, uh, some work they're doing to support a local orthopedic hospital with costume drives. So it's a pretty fun conversation with Matt, um, and it was really good to reconnect with him. So I'm excited to bring that to you this week. And I'm also excited to see Matt later this week and the rest of the uh, Los Angeles Ghostbusters because I will be attending Seaside Oddities Expo, not in some sort of capacity like with a booth or something, but um, as as an attendee uh, to go visit some friends, to go shop for spooky stuff. We're going to talk a lot about that thing in this episode, so feel free to stick around after headlines to hear a bit about it. Um, before we get into those headlines, I did want to sort of throw out a quick um, happy dual birthday uh, since the last podcast episode we did. Both Bill Murray and uh, Dave Coulier celebrated their respective birthdays on the same day. And I, I didn't realize this until like a couple of years ago that apparently Bill Murray and Dave Coulier are both born on September 21st, um, somewhere in the ballpark of like 10 years apart from each other. But strangely enough, they have both also played Peter Venkman. <laughs> so it's very weird that like the um, overlap of Bill Murray and Dave Coulier is not limited, you know, merely to. Uh, just the fact that they've both played the same animated character, or rather they've played the same character, one of them in the real life universe and the video game universe, arguably, uh, and the other in the uh, animated universe, but <laughs> they, they strangely enough share the same birthday. So uh, happy birthday to both Venkmans. Uh, we, you are much appreciated. And, uh, you know, the Ghostbusters wouldn't be what it is without both of you, uh, arguably. Although there are some folks who would argue that, you know, those latter seasons of real Ghostbusters and the recasting of Dave Coulier was controversial and we digress. I love you both, Dave and Bill, and you're clearly both listening to the podcast right now. Um, but I hope that you out there celebrated Venkman's birthday, uh, regardless of which Venkman you prefer. So um, before we get into our conversation with Matt and find out a little bit about 
what's going on with charity uh, and Halloween season and a variety of other stuff. We talk about, you know, Ghostbusters fandom and Ghostbusters merchandise and all the things we talk about every week. Let's talk about some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country. The Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm. Read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. So to start off Ghostbusters headlines this week, we're going to talk about um, a quick piece of uh, official news to talk about for a moment. Uh, unfortunately, it seems that there was a passing in the Ghostbusters community in terms of the production family as Ghostbusters 2 stop motion artist Pete Kozacek, uh, who has worked on Nightmare Before Christmas. But in terms of what we know him for, he's worked on Ghostbusters 2. Uh, he unfortunately passed away at 72 years of age uh, after a battle with primary progressive aphasia. Uh, he is best known to us as Ghostbusters fans as one of the stop motion camera operators on Ghostbusters 2 helped to bring many of those stop motion scenes like, you know, the bathtub full of slime and other things like that to life. Uh, but he had a ton of different credits. He was known for working on a bunch of Tim Burton stuff uh, on The Nightmare Before Christmas, on A Corpse Bride, on Coraline. And he also worked on Star Wars films like Episode 2 Attack of the Clones and he actually came back to work with Ivan Reitman on the 2001 film Evolution. So um, unfortunately, as we all get older and as the film gets older, so too do the folks who help to make it. And uh, that means that we will, you know, inevitably lose more people as we all get older. Uh, it is sad to hear that one more creator in the Ghostbusters community is no longer with us. But we thank Pete for uh, his creation and his involvement in making Ghostbusters 2 uh, the awesome movie that it is. And if you question that, if you're like Ghostbusters 2 is not a great movie, it is a great movie. Um, there's, it's one of those things that people used to say. It's not as good of a it's not, not as good of a movie as the first one in terms of being a sequel. And people used to kind of beat up on it. But I think over time, um, those effects, the things that they did in that movie really hold up and the story does. And it's a lot of fun. So um, to wherever you are, you know, swirling in the stardust right now, Pete Kozicic, thank you so much for your contributions to Ghostbusters. Um, there's not much more to report in official Ghostbusters news this week, uh, but maybe as the writer's strike is wrapping up and as things are, we'll see what happens with, this, with the Screen Actors Guild strike after that, maybe we will be somewhere tracking towards seeing a trailer soon or something along those lines. Um, you know, some of those industry problems I imagine have kept, um, the marketing and the scheduling of things somewhat dynamic, but you know, as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, kind of hitting a point where we're getting to, you know, about six months out from a movie being released. So it's likely we're going to see some movement on a trailer, especially if we're going to see toys marketed later, uh, you know, before Christmas, etc. So um, keep your eyes peeled. If there's a trailer, if anything happens in the next few weeks, rest assured, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but there's nothing to talk about there quite yet. Let's talk about merchandise for a few minutes. Then uh, I want to follow up about a story from last week. I commented last week on the existence of the Spangler's Spirit Funko Pop, and I commented to you all last week that while it was going to be a New York Comic Con exclusive, it was very likely that it would also show up somewhere as a retailer exclusive because convention exclusives always show up as real retailer exclusives from Funko. And as it turns out, um, the original Funko account on Twitter shared the retailer guide for New York Comic Con 2023 on the 19th. Uh, just after the podcast came out. <laughs> so um, that was pretty much an accurate prediction. Um, they the Spangler Spirit Funko Pop will be available on Funko.com. So you will not need to go to New York Comic Con 
You don't need to go like harass somebody to go there for you. Um, you should be able to go on Funko.com to get it. Uh, they've announced that the retailer exclusives that are going to be on the website will be available on October 13th at 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. So um, apparently I'm going to be if I want one of those, I'm going to have to be staying up to get it first thing. Um, realistically, I'm, I'm, I probably will. As much as I've said, I don't do Funko Pops anymore. This one, given the fact that it's translucent, um, that it's sort of the ghost version of Egon and will fit with the rest of my Ghostbusters I have, I'll probably chase this one down. But, you know, again, it's I don't really think it's going to be that hard of a chase. It's something that's available as a retailer exclusive from Funko.com uh, on the morning of uh, the 13th of October. So if you're looking for that, make sure you head over to Funko.com. Maybe put a little reminder in your calendar and your cell phone now so you don't forget um, and then forget about it and be upset because other people got one. And then you saw somebody got three in the mail and then you're like, it's not fair. I didn't get them in my town because. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a, it's a, it's a thing you have to order online. <laughs> it's not, it's not like that at all. But, um, the other place I will tell you that it's going to be, if you live in Canada, uh, they will be at GameStop Canada as well. I, I believe Funko.com doesn't ship directly to Canada, uh, Canada for whatever reason. They just don't like the great white North. Uh, but the, um, these exclusives will be at GameStop Canada f- for retail. So, um, keep that in mind and you can go over to original Funko's, uh, tw- X account. I think I might've said Twitter earlier. We'll just call it the, the, um, the platform no- formerly known as Twitter, the formerly avian themed social media platform in your life. Um, <laughs> so head over to original Funko, uh, on X. If you want to take a look at the retail guide and where many of the other limited edition Funko pops are going to turn up, uh, for that release beyond the Funko pop. Um, there's a few other things we should talk about that uh, have happened in terms of merchandise and that we've seen before. And this is something I just want to comment on because it was kind of interesting to watch how people freaked out about it for about, you know, five seconds, but big bad toy store, the toy retailer on the internet that many of us have pre-ordered ghostbusters things with in the past and that have a great flat rate $4 shipping program. Uh, they had apparently put a series of Haslab proton packs up for sale at about uh, $649 a pop. Um, they are now gone. So before you hear that, if you're like, oh my God, I need to go get one because I'm missing one. They're gone. They're no longer in stock. Uh, but what was interesting about this is that people seem to get the impression that this meant there was going to be some sort of retail release of those proton packs, like that they were going to start coming out at different retailers. To be clear, this is not the case. Uh, it looks like Big Bad Toy Store had about 15 in stock, meaning that they likely bought 15 to 20 of them uh, when the, uh, the, the HasLab happened and they had them shipped to them and then they sold them in a markup, uh, you know, just before the Halloween season surprise, somebody was smart marketing those and figuring out when to get them out of the warehouse. So, um, if you picked one up, it was not, not necessarily a great deal given that it was still a markup from the HasLab price, but given the $4 flat rate shipping, uh, compared to buying it from somebody on eBay, it was likely a better deal for you. And you had better probably customer service than worrying about what was going to happen to, uh, other stuff. So I don't, to be fair, I don't think you'll probably see much more of that of like retailers that are going to whip out, you know, 25, 30, 40 proton packs that they just bought and have been sitting on. But big bad toy store has been known to turn around stuff before. Um, I was always amazed that they had Mattel Maddie stuff. They had like Maddie race dances, um, like years after those were released where they could just had them on clearance for like 39 99. Um, so who knows? I always keep, keep an eye on them because it seems like they buy up stock from people who are closing out toy stores and, um, you know, you never know. But, um, if you were looking for one of those and you wanted to get it from them, it's no longer available, but rest assured, it's also not a retail item now. 
It's not going to GameStop, which is another thing. Someone messaged me and said, I heard it's going to GameStop. No, it's not. Um, it's not a thing that's happening. So, but, um, you know, who knows but with the, with, uh, the future of Ghostbusters items, I imagine we're going to get another HasLab in the future because, um, <clears throat> I've talked about the reasons why in previous episodes, but you know, we, there was some talk out there about a focus group for that, uh, that was being advertised on Reddit, et cetera. So, um, maybe we're going to get another HasLab and maybe we'll get another set of, uh, props at retail. Like we got Spangler's wand, not as a HasLab, but something that was being carried by retail stuff. So who knows? Maybe we'll find out by like the end of the year that there's some new thing to chase down, uh, even though you can't buy more proton packs at <laughs> Big Bad Toy Store for the time being. Let's talk about things that you could uh, build for a few moments. Ghostbusters News reported this week that there's a limited edition version of the wooden model kit that was put out by um, Australian manufacturer Gin and Apathy and is designed by mod model landmarks. Uh, and this is a bamboo version of the firehouse that I've talked about. I can't even remember how many episodes ago, uh, that was pretty cool where you could like, it's all pop out and it's about five, five and a quarter inches long by four inches high. And, um, it's a little, you know, you build it, it's popped out of bamboo and you glue it together and you make yourself a little tiny firehouse. Uh, they apparently have a pre-order available now for a limited edition version of that firehouse that. Um, is going to be painted. So as opposed to the unpainted version, this one has been painted in a very limited edition number of 20. Um, each of those is signed and numbered and will be shipping in mid-October. They're still available in stock now at modellandmarks.com. Um, so it's something that's only going to be available in the United States, uh, Canada, and Mexico. So if you're looking for this outside of the US, you probably can't get it. It retails for $79 and is essentially hand-painted by Kentucky-based artist Tina Arthur. Uh, I will say this, the firehouse looks great. The thing I don't understand about this release, and I don't know if anyone at model landmarks can rectify this before they ship out is that they, there is a Ecto one that's in front of the doors for hook and ladder eight on this little model, um, that is painted red. So the firehouse doors are painted red, but then so is the car, um, which clearly the car is not red. So I'm not really sure. If this is just an error in the photos they used in the product photos, um, you know, I, I kind of asked Jason Fitzsimmons what he thought about this from Ghostbusters news. And he kind of said, eh, I don't know, and shrugged a little bit and said, maybe it's an error, but it is kind of interesting. The rest of the firehouse looks great. Like I almost want one of these to like put like around a bunch of plants or something because it's bamboo. Um, it seems like a home decor piece that would fit well as a model, uh, you know, on display in a curio case or something. Uh, but I have to say, it's a little puzzling that the Ecto-1 is red on this. So um, maybe they'll rectify that. Maybe it's a mistake. Don't really know. Uh, but if you're interested in this, because it's kind of fun, you can not even add the Ecto-1 if you want. It's a glue-on piece, essentially, that goes in front of the door. So if you just wanted a really nice-looking version of the firehouse and pretty accurate-looking brick coloring and um, made of bamboo, this is a nice little kit for $79. So um, take feel free to go check that out. Uh, you can find it again on modellandmarks.com or head over to Ghostbusters News. Uh, to get quick and easy access to the link. And you can also see Jason has a video where he built the unpainted version of this. So if you want to get a sense for what this thing looks like and uh, what it, how it comes together, you can actually go and watch the video where he built one of these and reviewed the original kit. Uh, in addition to things you can build, there's also things that you can win. And that's because apparently there's now a Ghostbusters lottery uh, in Michigan. <laughs> the Michigan lottery has announced a scratch off game 
um, that is launching today as of the day of the podcast releasing. It's a $5 scratch off game that'll feature uh, scenes and imagery from the Ghostbusters franchise. Uh, it's got Slimer on it on little bonus sections. It's got a bunch of little no ghost logos and Mooglies and things. And uh, as Jason Fitzsimmons was reporting about this in Ghostbusters news for the first time in Michigan Lottery's history, the symbols and numbers found under the scratchable service will be in, in full color. So as you scratch off things on this game, it's going to reveal different stuff from Ghostbusters and their like color images. So I imagine even the losing ticket will be something that kind of looks cool if you're the kind of person who needs to collect every single piece of cardboard that has Ghostbusters on it. Not that I have this kind of problem, folks. Uh, but <laughs> if, if you uh, want to pick this up, this is limited to uh, just, you know, Michigan, as Jason reports on Ghostbusters news, um, that folks who are looking to get this can go to one of the 10,500 retailers across Michigan for the Michigan lottery. Um, each ticket can range from anywhere in prizes from $5 to $500,000, but there's also a collective prize pool that's set to exceed $28 million. So um, if you are in Michigan, uh, you can go and grab these. Um, I, I, I don't want to say if you're outside of Michigan that you should tell people to go get them for you because I imagine that shipping lottery tickets over state lines has to break some law. But uh, if you know people in Michigan and you really need something like this, maybe you can get like losing ones. People have already scratched off and that would not break the law. I don't know. Uh, but there's stuff certainly for to be won out there if you're really into playing the lotto to begin with and you're also a Ghostbusters fan. Uh, personally, I don't think the state of California will ever have Ghostbusters lotto stuff, but I could be proven wrong. That would be cool. Maybe somebody who's listening at Sony should be like, how can we work this out? Like, let's get a tax deal. Let's uh, license Ghostbusters to the state of California. <laughs> um, I don't know. Either that or donate the firehouse. Um, somebody at the, you know, figure that out. Donate money to build the museum over at the firehouse. Not that I haven't talked about that in the past. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, a different merchandise item for a few moments. Um, I want to talk about a couple discount retail items. Um, a couple of these are going to come from uh, Five Below. You heard me talk last week about the hoodie that exists at Five Below that I have yet to identify or locate. Um, there is a hoodie out in the wild. The new thing that's also out at Five Below stores is that the Stay Puffed Pop Mask that has been available in previous Halloween seasons is available now at Five Below stores for the low, low price of $10. Um, it's apparently not the only Funko Pop themed Halloween mask that they have. It looks like they've also got a few other things, potentially a child's play version, etc. But there's essentially, if you're not familiar with what these are, they are Halloween masks that look like a Funko Pop design of a character. And because Funko has done Stay Puffed so many times, they of course have a mask of the Funko Stay Puffed Pop. So uh, if you are looking for a plastic Stay Puffed mask for cheap, 10 bucks uh, is not, you know, nothing to scoff at. You can find that over at, uh, at uh, rather five below. And uh, <clears throat> that's something you do have to go find in the store. I don't think you can find stuff from five below online. The other place to go for some discount retail Ghostbusters merch uh, is Ross Dress for Less. Ghostbusters News reports that uh, there are a few different items that have been found out in the wild at Ross stores, which again, you actually have to go to to hunt. You can't find the stuff online. Uh, but there is a white sweatshirt that is a hoodie that has a no ghost logo on it with an orange no symbol and uh, spider webs because it's Halloween themed. And there's a matching set of sweatpants in the junior section uh, of Ross Dress for Less, potentially at your local Ross. Each of those are going to run you $14.99. 
And there's also a set of matching socks. So uh, one of the pairs of socks is orange and has the No Ghost logo covered in spider webs. The other uh, is in uh, their black uh, socks that have ghosts all over them. So um, kind of fun to think about. Like, I don't think we've ever seen spiders really featured that heavily in Ghostbusters marketing. Um, so to kind of see this variation of the Ghostbusters logo for Halloween be spider themed um, is kind of interesting. I think that like the when I think of spiders and Ghostbusters, the only place my brain goes is back to the video game and thinking about the spider witch, um, which I would love to see that character come back in some capacity. That would be awesome. So if anybody's listening out there, like give me some of that. Give me some Ghostbusters spider witch themed merch. That would be kind of cool. But if uh, in the meantime, you just want to find uh, the available stuff that has spider webs on it and orange things and Ghostbusters Halloween themed stuff, uh, you can head over to Ross Dress for Less and hunt around to see what you can find. Uh, because it seems like there's some pretty cool options out there. I'm going to admit that most of this stuff is probably uh, going to run too small for me, and I'm not a huge fan of white um, in terms of base colors for clothes. But if you're the kind of person who likes light-colored Ghostbusters stuff and you can't find it that often because you usually end up running d- dark t-shirts and stuff, navy, blues, blacks, etc., this might be a good option for you. Um, let's talk about video games for a few minutes. And specifically, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord. Um, Since we last spoke, there's actually been some early reviews of this game that have come out. Um, We talked a bit about this last week, that the new VR experience was going to be coming out in October, about a month from today. And that's coming out via MetaQuest uh, 2, their VR system, as well as the PS... Uh, the PlayStation VR system that's going to, that's out there for PlayStation consoles. I sound completely uninformed about virtual reality because I don't own that stuff, folks. Uh, But the rise of the ghost Lord reviews are not like full blown reviews of the game. Rather, there was a uh, German experience or rather a game convention uh, called Gamescom that took place in the last month. And at that event, there were some journalists and YouTubers who were given the opportunity to play the game for about 45 minutes. Um, They were not allowed to necessarily provide full-blown reviews of the game, but their embargo was recently lifted. I'm going to direct you to Ghostbusters news for this because Jason Fitzsimmons very smartly took all of this content, uh, several different YouTube videos from several different YouTubers and game uh, reviewers, and compiled it all in one easy-to-find location, uh, which is really great because there's at least a whole print review of this out there that you can read, as well as two YouTube videos on it uh, that show gameplay both uh, from B-roll and sort of given out uh, studio produced, you know, gameplay trailer information and gameplay footage from the uh, developer end dreams, as well as watching somebody play it on a television screen to see how the mechanics of movement uh, with your hands work alongside things like wielding the Neutrona wand. What seems to be pretty clear from the reviews out there is that folks are pretty happy with the like haptics of the game, the sound effects, the feel of carrying the equipment and working with it but that the game is designed not necessarily for the hardcore ghost busting fan uh, for folks like maybe who are playing spirits unleashed, for instance, or who were huge fans of the last video game, meaning the, the, the video game ghostbusters, the video game, which we all have a beloved, you know, appreciation for um, that. This is more for families and kids. So the criticism that seems to be somewhat consistent across the reviews is that 
the gameplay becomes a little bit repetitive, at least in the demo that they played. But to be clear, that doesn't mean that that's the whole game because it is a demo. They weren't given uh, an entire, you know, run to play through levels as much as they were given different aspects of gameplay to interact with. So it'll still be interesting to see what this whole game is going to be like. But uh, you can check out footage of this. It does look pretty fun. I have to admit, like this, the um, sort of cell shaded graphics for me don't necessarily read um i'll say is that authentic as somebody who likes playing spirits unleashed and likes looking at the equipment and how kind of real it looks even though it's kind of got an animated feel to it um but it i think that it, it works you know i think that it's something that is probably going to work really well on vr headsets and it, it looks like it's just fun gameplay it looks like there's a lot of different things you can do a lot of different equipment to utilize uh different achievements and objectives for missions and as somebody who's coming out of, you know, playing a lot of Spirits Unleashed, and this isn't to be like overly negative about it, the criticism that, you know, I think many people have about that game is that it has become repetitive, that there are a finite number of levels and that there are a finite number of ghosts and that after a while you're just kind of doing the same thing of chasing down uh, somebody, you know, in the, in the same, in a different, in the same ghost model as a previous match, et cetera, or respawning into levels you were just in three levels ago. So um, I, I almost in a way want to be a little forgiving about the potentiality that a demo was repetitive because uh, sort of just the footage alone showing different objectives to missions that they're achieving uh, seems a little more varied, but it may be more kid friendly. And to be real, that makes sense to me because the like video games are predominantly sold. You know, yes, they're sold to adults. There are some of us in our 30s and 40s who are game players, but they're predominantly being targeted towards kids, right? And so for a market, for a franchise to be successful in the marketplace, rather, um, you've got to be able to target kids who are going to be playing games. And so even you see that now, like you're going to see that game that we already have, Spirits Unleashed, come to the Switch, which is probably a console that far fewer people are playing, uh, you know, who are in their 30s and 40s versus a game console that costs a lot more money or a high-end gaming computer, etc. So um, I'm going to be intrigued to see what this looks like. I'm hoping to get my hands on it to play it when it comes out. Um, if I don't get my own VR experience, I think there's a friend of the podcast who lives nearby who may let me come by and check it out. So, um, you'll get at least my review when it comes out in October. Okay. Um, so, and I also want to talk then about a few like unofficial merchandise things. Um, and here, this is going to seem a little heavy on our friends, Phantasm and Toys for a few minutes, but they were out cleaning up um, at <laughs> Cincinnati Comic Expo, which Tony was on a few weeks ago and talked about how they were going to be going to that. And they had hoped to meet um, to meet Adam Savage, uh, you know, from Tested and from Mythbusters and also of being an enormous Ghostbusters fan who did videos on the last Ghostbusters movie, who's done Proton Pack videos, etc. And that mission was a total success. If you go to the Phantasm Toys Instagram account, you're going to find that they actually met up with Adam Savage and gifted him uh, one of their slimeball figures. But that is like the tip of the iceberg of what Phantasm released and teased over the last weekend. And I don't know how long Brendan and Tony were sitting on some of this stuff, but it's um, <laughs> just a ton of stuff that they showed at their prototypes table. Um, and I want to sort of direct, direct people to go over and take a look at the Phantasm Toys Instagram because they revealed so many different things that they have in the works. Um, there's a prototype of a Stay Puffed head uh, for something that they are potentially making. There is a prototype of Vigo's head, um, which Tony's talked about in the podcast before, but generally hasn't been all that revealed to the public. And one of the most exciting things for folks of video games is that they actually have a digital rendering of a prototype 
uh, of one of the ghosts from Spirits Unleashed. I think it's the blinky ghost that has pink and has all the little eyeballs all over it and shoots torpedoes of uh, slime across, you know, the level at you. And his kind of was the original uh, ghost released with the game when it came out. Uh, and so they have a digital rendering of that that they're potentially putting out. Um, there were so many cool things that they had on display at that convention. Um, and they even, I believe, had a few things that are available there exclusively, some library lady figures, etc. So um, take a look at that if you haven't already. I will warn you that if you were chasing down the Strut and Moogs figure that they had out that was the uh, sort of inspired by the Moogly ghost at the beginning of Real Ghostbusters, your pre-order window is closed. But their mini Moogs figure, uh, which was the companion figure to that that glows in the dark, is still available if you wanted to grab it. So uh, don't miss out on that if you missed out on Strut and Moogs. And keep your eyes peeled on Phantasm because the stuff they're doing remains awesome. Uh, I also want to say that if you haven't seen it already, there is a kitchen counter review of Kit Marshall's Ultimate 84 uh, Ectomobile labels, the kit that he has, uh, the digital inkjet set. He sent me a copy of those a few weeks ago, and I had been uh, remiss in not getting to around to sort of taking a look at them and reviewing them because I've been really busy with work. But um, kitchen counter reviews, if you're not sure what that is, uh, it is a uh, what I call a low production re value review of a high quality, awesome Ghostbusters collectible uh, that is shot on my kitchen counter, often with my cell phone when no one else is around uh, in the few minutes I have to do so. Uh, so if you can take a look over on Instagram for that, or you can find it over on the Extra Plasm YouTube page where I took the Instagram version and kind of put it into um, it's still going to it's not like widescreen. It's a square format from Instagram, but um, it was cool to take a look at these logos finally. Um, each of them is different. We've talked about it in the podcast. They're all replicas of the individual door logos from the 1984 Ecto-1 before it was refurbished and remodeled and the logos were replaced. And uh, Kip was also cool enough to send along one of his um, proofs, his artist proofs for the screen printed version of the logo so I could get an understanding of the difference in the uh, sort of process of printing, the, the inks involved, how things look, etc., these are really amazing. They're limited. I know I've talked about them a lot, but I know a lot of folks are like thinking about going out and getting, um, you know, uh, different, let's say going out and getting uh, decals for cars and things for Halloween. Like if you're going to do that and you're going to go pay somebody on eBay, like $150 for decals and magnets or something before you do that, you should absolutely go uh, find Kip, uh, go to ultimate84.com and pick up the logos from him because you're never going to find a nicer and more authentic set of like Ectomobile logos, I think ever. Um, they are without question really well-made, um, even so much so that there's suggestions in there about how much PSI you can spray on them with a water jet. So Kip, if you're out there, I would love to know the process that was involved in figuring that out. Um, and I just want to throw this out there. This is not fan merchandise thing. I just want to kind of put this on your radar. If you are a person who's looking at like replacing a flight suit before Halloween because you need to, you might want to know the true spec suits um, are becoming, they're, they're, they're selling out right now because they're, you know, this is the time of year when people are going out and buying them. And I believe that replacing a true spec suit right now is going to cost you about 85 bucks. I cannot find one in my size unless I go to like some fly by night retailer on the internet I've never heard of before. Um, so you might want to be aware of this. If you're looking for true spec suits, it sounds like from looking at their website, they're in stock date on like a two XL and XL is like the 20th of October, just cutting it pretty close for Halloween if your plan is to uh, revitalize your flight suit or build it for the first time. So uh, just kind of know that, be aware of that, because 
Um, I know I've been caught off guard with that right now. My flight suit is currently torn and needs to be replaced. And that's why I just bought something off of eBay <laughs> because I need something uh, before I don't have an option. Um, but we'll see how that turns out. I may have a report for you about that. I'm getting my first Nomex suit and we're going to find out uh, whether or not I like that or I hate it. We'll see. The last piece of fan merch I want to talk about uh, is just another reminder about the Containment Unit's partnership with Steve Johnson, the sculptor of Slimer uh, from the 1984 Ghostbusters film. Uh, they are partnering up with Steve Johnson for a limited run of 30 light-up uh, USB-powered LED Slimers. They're desktop Slimers that are standing about 6.5 inches tall by 5.5 inches wide and that feature a 3.5 inch by 2.5 inch signature plaque um, these are hand sculpted, hand designed by Steve Johnson originally. Uh, each of these statues will run you $250, but there's only 30 of them being made. It's the probably it's the only time that Steve Johnson has publicly released one of a, a Slimer with his lineage since the 2009 video game Slimer edition release. And this is something that, you know, obviously comes with his signature is more than it's more than just like, hey, you're going to get something with a printing of his signature on it that came in a box of the video game. It's a handmade item that Steve Johnson directly is involved in producing. Uh, so it's a pretty unique collector's item to get. Again, you can get these from the containment unit uh, over on Facebook, or you can contact Tom Henry of the containment unit uh, via email at slime signatures at gmail.com. If you have interested in checking that out now, um, we're going to try and wrap up headlines with a fun piece of, uh, you know, things to talk about something Halloween theme, because that's what we've been trying to do for the last few weeks. And hopefully we're going to get through it this week without something strange happening, like a uh, text on a screen changing or, uh, what you all reported last week. A few people let me know about a weird audio intrusion in the podcast, but I assure you this week we should be good to go. Uh, there's not going to be a problem. And so the thing I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is about a Halloween attraction that is happening, uh, in Tennessee. As it turns out, there is an attraction in Tennessee called Halloween Hollow Haunted House that takes place every year uh, and that is in part co-run by friend of the podcast, Philip Clark of the Tennessee Ghost. Here at WBOO-TV, we have a rich tradition of celebrating Halloween with you and your families every year. Here are five tips to make this year's Halloween extra spooky. One. whole month of October for our annual month-long Halloween movie marathon. Happy Halloween from our family to yours. WBOO-TV. Real stories, real people. Check out the haunted house over on Instagram. Uh, the, you know, the HalloweenHollowHaunt.com website is also something you can take a look at. But uh, what's really cool this year is that Phil, Phil built... Mr. Hay Puffed. Um, you can go to Ghostbusters News to check this out for a quick reference because Jason put images of this on his website as well as a video that uh, Phil made from Facebook that was a, a time lapse of making this. But he made an enormous Mr. Stay Puffed out of bales of hay. Um, and I just found this completely hysterical and adorable. Um, I, I really have to say, if you want to put a smile on your face and get you feel, feeling well about the Halloween season as you start off your October, I mean, October, uh, th then yeah, I mean, you can go and take a look at Ghostbusters news for this little coverage or head over to, uh, the Halloween hollow haunt Instagram account where there's some photos of this for sure too. Um, it makes me wish that I had a whole bunch of hay to build a Mr. Hay puffed because 
I'm be honest. I'm going to try and put up my 15 foot Stay Puft for the first time this year. And I'm really worried he's going to blow away. But I have a feeling if he was made of giant bales of hay that needed to be craned in, he probably wouldn't go anywhere. Um, so go take a look at that to put a smile on your face and get yourself started with the Halloween season. And that wraps up headlines. So let's go ahead now and uh, move on to our conversation with Matt Zunick of the Los Angeles Ghostbusters. Joining me on Extra Plasm Podcast, returning uh, for the first time in at least like 150 days, if we're to count things by the writer's strike, is Matt Zunick of the Los Angeles Ghostbusters, a friend of the podcast, awesome person, great organizer of charity things and ghostbusting things. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, Jim, I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy you're back. So that makes both of us happy. Oh, shucks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned 150 days. I'll, I'll point out 147 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking about this before we before we started recording that, like, the last time you were on the podcast, you came on and we did this sort of like the writer's strike and you uh, like coverage for folks who were like, what will happen to movies because of the writer's strike and what could happen in the next Ghostbusters movie? And we were talking about that. And then like from there, there was, of course, like the SAG after strike that became part of the yeah. entire like labor movement across Hollywood. And like coincidentally, we ended up setting up this podcast recording. And then it was announced that like the CEOs were coming together and that there was the CEOs made their like best and final offer to the, you know, um, to the WGA and that people are potentially going to vote on it and sign it. So listen, clearly this has all been your work. That's why you weren't here for. 147 days. Thanks for doing the hard work. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, you know, uh, happy to do it. I was in the negotiating committee and on the picket line and, uh, you know, slinging the insults in the room at the same time. No, um, <laughs> I, I did go out to the picket line uh, quite a few times. I was not out there for all 146 days of picketing as much as I wanted to be. Uh, I just couldn't. Uh, but I was out there for I'd have to I have I kept all of my sign in name tags uh oh, nice. and stuck them on the back of my of my homemade sign i'd have to count i think i was out there a total of like 12 days again it's a far cry from the 146 and i know people who were out there every single day um so they are the real heroes they are the ones who helped make this happen um but just to just to like let everybody know about that writer strike while we're on the subject the strike is not over for the writers, no. but the picketing has been suspended while the uh, the legal terminology and the language of the contract is ultimately figured out. Then that gets sent to the WGA West and WGA East um, uh, boards and councils, respectively. They will approve it and do a vote on it, and then it gets sent out to the membership for final vote and ratification. Right. Once that is done. Then the deal goes into effect. Then the restraining order is lifted and everybody can go back to work. Um, in some cases, members might be told to go back to work during the voting process, but the union will let everybody know when that happens. Uh, but it does seem, based on the email that was sent out to members last night and the official uh, statement released by the WGA, it does seem like uh, the writers are going to get a fair you know, chunk of what they were asking for. I mean, we don't right. know the official details yet. The, as of time of this recording, it has not been released. Um, but we might see the strike, you know, hopefully, and I'm not going to say 
likely, we don't know, but hopefully it will end within the next, you know, week, two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? And But then SAG-AFTRA has to have their right. deal. And so the a lot of writers are probably, as much as they want to go back to work, are probably not going to because they're going to stand side by side with SAG-AFTRA because so many actors stood side by side with us since day one. So right. I I really do feel like the strikes will not really come to an end until SAG after his deal is done. Cause there's and, some reciprocal uh, support there. Right. So it's like, if there's not, yeah. if there's not a deal hammered out with hammered out with both pretty soon, then you're still probably going to have some, at least a labor slow slowdown, you know, even if you go yeah. back to work. So, yeah. But, but that's not to take away from the incredible success that seems to be coming. Uh, that yeah, the writers, have, sure. that the writers have made, they have done an amazing job. The, the negotiating committee has done an amazing job. I think the real takeaway here is the communication from the WGA and the writers on social media has been far and away the biggest success story out of this because from day one, the writers dominated the social conversation around Mm -hmm. the strike. And no matter how the companies like the AMPTP, no matter how they leaked things, no matter how they you know, send things to the the trades, no matter, you know, how people tried to misrepresent things and sow division, it didn't work. Like it it would get traction for five minutes and then the WGA right. was on top of it. Writers were on top of it. And that is such an amazing feat. It was it was really a, a marvel to be a part of and to watch. So yeah. No, I yeah. it's very it's really been a kind of an inspiring um labor action i think that you see a lot of the other things that have happened across the country in the last year that have kind of followed after that i think you know in some <laughs> ways it's like they're not directly you know linked to it but it's like people can openly say like wow there seems to be like an open labor movement thing going on in america labor there's summer baby auto workers yeah there's auto workers who are upset there's ups workers who are upset everybody's doing things and it kind of all feels like it followed after watching you know a lot of the entertainment industry go that route. And then for some ways it's like there weren't shows on, there weren't, wasn't content to see. So what was there to watch? Well, coverage of the strike. Yeah. <laughs> so what was on social media? Oh, coverage of the strike. Uh, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm excited to see folks get, you know, uh, better wages and to get better opportunities to earn and hopefully for stories to get back to being told, but not before anybody gets what they're supposed to be getting, you know, that's sort of the big thing is I'm still like, well, let's not rush until everybody gets what they're supposed to, but I'm hype. I'm happy there's optimism um, on the horizon. I'm sure that Bill Maher and Drew Barrymore are too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man, trying to explain that to my parents was uh, an interesting conversation. <laughs> now, why yeah. is everybody mad at poor Drew Barrymore? Oi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I I I like Drew Barrymore a lot, but I I was very disappointed when. All of that went down, but in the end, to give her credit, she yeah. made the right decision. Yeah, so. agreed. Um, and and Bill Maher too, although with less kneeling and crying. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're back, and we get to talk about things that are also not, um, you know, labor strikes and labor labor movements, because we get to talk about Ghostbusters things. Um, and Ooh, very exciting. Yes, and I haven't had a chance to sort of talk with you about what's what you and LA Ghostbusters have been up to on the podcast in a while. Uh, and I do know that I know if I if I'm not talking out of turn that recently you had a, a visit uh, over at 
the the little firehouse on on the big movie lot. Am I wrong about that? <laughs> what? Who, who, who told you? Oh, yes, we did. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. We um, we uh, the, the purpose of the of the meeting was to introduce our friends at the Starlight Children's Foundation to our friends at um, Ghost Corps. To to make a face to face, you know, handshake connection because yeah, um, everything we did with the gowns uh, last year and and kind of helping kind of coordinate the beginnings of that, um, it was all done via email and via phone call and and Zoom calls. Nobody ever met in the same room, and so, uh, we were going to get some donated material, and we were like, hey, could we bring some of our friends from Starlight, and you know introduce them to you guys so that this can be we can kind of take a step back and and let them make that connection a little bit more formal and it was great we our friend madison shearer and uh uh i, I don't think logan was able to make it logan allison who's uh who works with madison over at starlight i don't thought you were gonna say logan kim to <laughs> oh that would have been great but <laughs> um we we did get a chance to uh to meet someone um i i can't say who we met but um based upon the writers and Bill actor Murray. strike based <laughs> by the writers and actor strike you know who was not able to cross onto the lot but you might be able to know who was uh we did meet someone there who was very nice like one of the nicest people i've had the chance to meet in this industry and we had a really lovely chat and uh yeah, it was it was a really good time, and you know my thanks go out to um, everybody at Ghost Core and Sony who uh, donated some uh, some material for us to uh, raffle off and use as prizes in the future, uh, so that we can raise money for the Starlight Children's Foundation and uh, potentially another big uh, big event fundraiser that may be on the horizon that I can't talk about yet. <laughs> so you had a visit. It was about a bunch of secret stuff and picking up free stuff. That's what I'm hearing from you. Um. <laughs> we we picked up some donated toys and, and apparel that we're going to... A lot of it's actually getting donated to the Luskin Orthopedic Center here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and some of it will be used as prize fodder for some of our upcoming uh, events. And the, the, the secret stuff is not about the new movie, but just about some... <laughs> Uh, you're like, that's, that was your way of not getting a million D- DMs. That was very smart of you. Otherwise, what was going to happen after this podcast, people are going to start DMing you going, what did you find out about the movie while you were over on the Sony lot? Um, I can, like, I can tell you officially not a thing because they didn't tell us anything because they don't want to tell us anything because they know we're going to be like, guys, you'll never believe it. So, no, we were not told anything. We did not see anything. Uh, we really just, you know, had a nice conversation to introduce them to the Starlight folks to pick up the stuff they wanted to donate, yeah, and to discuss potential uh, fundraiser opportunities for the future. There are some that we're we're talking about that will be made official soon, uh, but because they're still very much in the early stages of, mm-hmm. you know, can we even do this? Because this this next one, you know, the gowns that Starlight was able to do. That was a very big undertaking, and we are so incredibly grateful that they wanted to partner with us, and we were yeah. so, so grateful to the entire Ghostbusters community for rallying behind it. Oh, yeah. And, and we were like, 
maybe that's just, maybe that's the big thing that we do in our lives. And maybe we don't have another big thing in us. Um, but this new opportunity, uh, maybe on the horizon and we were like, well, let's start putting things in place. And if, if we can make it happen, we're going to make it happen. Uh, but until we know for certain, we're going to say, all right, well, let's just kind of, you know, be a little coy about it <laughs> until everything gets approved. Everything gets like, okay, yep, we're going to do that. And everything's set in motion. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I have to say like, if, I, mean, I should have said this because I feel like I'm doing this in the disorganized fashion of presuming that everyone remembers that you were here to talk about Starlight <laughs> Starlight Foundation, um, you know, a while back. But like your franchise played a pivotal and key role in organizing the movement to uh, get hospital gowns made for kids who are in, you know, uh, in bad situations, who are ill and who um, need a morale boost. Right. And that Starlight Foundation provides that through like play uh, in hospitals and care through play. Um, and I think that's. Like that was, I've still said this, like, it's such a heartwarming thing to me that like every time I talk about it, I get a little like my dark heart, you know, begins to grow in size because I'm like, <laughs> oh, the starlight and children and they get gowns and the kids feel better and they're Ghostbusters and it's great. But like, I'm excited that you got the opportunity to introduce those people to each other because it was like you said, something where people coordinated things via emails, et cetera. And like, and sort of the fact that like you are where you're at starlights where they're at sony's where they're it's like you're all in town right and it's like yeah so there's an opportunity for like synergy and networking that exists that um could potentially be a lot i don't mean bigger more ongoing etc and if nothing else like i just think it's kind of fun that like you're like the only franchise in the country that gets to be like you mean stop by ghost core to pick up some stuff or <laughs> <laughs> for raffles uh you know just everybody goes by their local ghost core firehouse to pick things up so but <laughs> But I, I seriously, though, I think that it's like it's so cool that that is an ongoing relationship that it didn't become like, oh, it's a one off campaign and it's done. Instead, it's like, no, let's see what we can continue to do together and how can we continue to sort of uh, be synergistic and beneficial to the community at large through that work. So, yeah, good on you. And oh, thank you. And and everybody at, you know, Ghost Core and Eric included, like they work with I mean, they don't just work with us. They work with all the franchises that. Yeah are engaged in their community that have active involvement. I mean, the Buffalo Ghostbusters are a great example. Absolutely. They do a lot with Ghost Corps and they do a lot with Hook and Ladder 8, the firehouse in, in New York. And so, you know, we are just another part of that. And um, yet the, we're just lucky enough to be on this end of the country where we can, you know, right. if, if they want to donate a bunch of toys to a charity, we can be like, We'll do the pickup. <laughs> so, um, but but no, everyone there has been so nice and so kind, um, and it's it's been a, a really wonderful experience to be able to uh, be welcomed onto the lot to to grab this stuff. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been really great. Um, I would like to be welcomed onto the lot to grab things, but maybe not <laughs> the things that you went there to grab. Like, I'll grab the keys to the Ecto One. I'll grab those if you welcome me on the lot. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, but I, I won't really do that if you let me on the lot, Ghost Core. I won't steal the Ecto-1. I wouldn't get very far. It, it doesn't run very well. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's it's not exactly in the best the best of conditions either. Like it's, <laughs> they they keep its tires inflated. I, I'll, I'll give them that. But, yeah. You know, every now and again when I pass by, I'm like, man, we should really put a tarp over this. 
<laughs> the, the elements are at play here, guys. But, you know, it's it's a studio lot. Like, there's, there's you know, hundreds of people coming back and forth every day. They do yeah. tours a lot. And you want to see the cars. And so you have to leave yeah. them uncovered. You have to leave them up to the elements. Like, no one is, like, nefariously, like, picking on Ecto. But, it, no. it you know, every time you walk by, you're like, oh, there's another scratch in it. <laughs> do you? I will say this, though. Like, you work in the industry, so it's like you have... I, I think that there's, for you, like, as somebody who works in the entertainment industry, I don't know if after a while, like, the magic of being on a studio lot fades. Do you, When you go to Ghost Core, do you still have, like, that sense of, like, oh, my God, I'm at, like, home base? Or do you, has that, like, become, like, yeah, we're a Sony lot, whatever. Like, how is, how is that going for you at this point? Uh, well, I'll speak, I'll speak for myself personally. Uh, yes, I do work in the industry. Um I actually worked on the Sony lot for a little while back when I was an event, um, an office manager for the Producers Guild uh, conference, which which, uh, they held on the the Sony lot a couple of times. And so, yeah, being on the lots, you know, for me, I try to remind myself of the 10 year old kid that, you know, was watching, you know, reruns of real Ghostbusters on his VHS, (laughs) you know still asking his mom to buy him ecto cooler who you know was looking at his old you know real ghostbusters proton pack with a bunch of like stickers from other shit on it Um, (laughs) you know i i try to keep reminding myself like the 10 year old kid you used to be would be like losing his mind right now if he knew that you were gonna be here and doing this kind of thing and i i really try to humble myself every time that i'm there and think how lucky I am to be in a position where I can do this because not everybody can. And I, tr- I try to keep that humbleness for everyone else. And a lot of our right. members don't work in the industry and it is something special for them to be able to come to the lot. And so if, if we are invited for whatever reason, whether it's for like Ectofest, whether it's to do um, a pickup or a drop off of some kind, I, we tend to like reach out to our membership to be like, Hey, who hasn't been? Because right. if you haven't been, you should really come. And, uh, you know, we were able to do that uh, this last time. We had a couple of members that came with us who had never been uh, before. And so we're like, all right, you should come. Um, so it's, it, it is a very fortunate series of events that have happened that have allowed us to do this. And we are extremely lucky and we don't take that for yeah. granted. And I don't take that for granted. Uh, there is a little bit, as you said, of that veneer that has worn off where I'm like, I don't get as nervous going on the lots. Like I don't mm-hmm. feel that, you know, the butterflies in my stomach as I used to, but I, I do know how lucky I am to be able to do this. And I, like I said, right. I do not take that for granted and neither does anyone else on the LAGB team. No, I, I hear that. And like, I was thinking about this recently because like, I haven't been to the lot since January because that's when somebody took me for a tour of the lot. They yeah. were like, here's a gift. I want to take you on the tour of the lot. And I was like, I've been to the lot for like, yeah, but you want to go to the lot. You know, you do. And I was like, I do. Um, <laughs> Cause it's just fun to go walk around, but like, it's a cool um, lot. <clears throat> yeah, it is. And like I, when I went for the tour, I got to see jeopardy and I got to see like wheel of fortune. Like they were not yeah. filming, but they, the sets were there and I got to see them would not see the studios, but like, I, the first time I ever set foot in the Sony lot for me came after living down the street from it for two years. Like I, when I was living in Culver city, I would walk past it. And this was during the period of time when like the Ecto one would just be parked 
in the outside parking lot. Like there was yep. by the security booth. So you would just uh-huh. draw, you would walk down, uh, what was that what Washington, right? You'd walk down Washington and like the, mm-hmm. is, or is it Culver Boulevard, whichever one it is there where it splits as a T. And some people are like, what are you talking about? Go look on Google maps. You'll see what I'm talking about. There's this weird triangle in Culver city where the two yeah. roads split into fork and then Sony's on kind of both sides of the, it's kind of divides the, t- the, the triangle, but yeah, it's I Culver digress. Boulevard. It's yeah, Culver that's Boulevard. what it is. It's Culver Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Boulevard. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but you'd walk down there. You'd walk past the backstage uh, pub, which had like karaoke. And there would be mm-hmm. the Ecto one, like just sitting next to a security booth. And I would always say, like, could I run up there and touch it <laughs> and get back out before somebody tackled me? <laughs> right. And like, that was my like, someday I hope to be able to go on the Sony lot thing. And then it was like, I don't know. That was like 2011. I find myself in 2019, like spending $1,500 to be a class 10 attendee at <laughs> FanFest. So it was like when I got on the oh, Sony man. lot, it was like, oh, my God, I'm, I finally made it here. But I paid my way to be there. And it was like, OK, cool, whatever. Being invited back or like being like and not I don't mean like invited. Like when I say that phrase, I am I'm in no way special. I don't mean like I got a phone call. It was like, Jim, come on down to the Sony lot. We want you there. I mean, like when they invite fans for something like EctoFest, like having the opportunity to go to me is always like I get to go like visit the wizard. I don't, I don't know. If it's always so exciting to me. And so I hope I never kind of lose the bit of that. Cause like, I, I hope I get to go to the Sony lot again sometime, like going on the tour for me was still very exciting, but I was fully aware that I was like, I paid $60 to go on a tour and walk around and look at stuff because I'm on the lot today. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, back when I worked at, uh, the first like big studio that I worked with was uh, DreamWorks Animation, and we did our audio mixing on the Warner Brothers lot. Uh, and okay. A, and as a kid, I always loved the idea of going on the Warner Brothers lot. And so the first couple of days when I drove on there, like, oh, here we go. I'm in a park. I parked right under the water tower, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> and then by like the fifth or sixth time I was there, I was like, Oh my God, I just hope to God they have water and the, the biscuits we asked for um, because, you know, my, my boss doesn't like the chocolate ones. He likes the almond ones and like the, the, the shine came off so fast. <laughs> it's like, I just need to get in here, do my job and then go. I just, I'm thinking about, oh, I got to stop at the store on my way home. And, and yeah, but with the Sony lot, because of our connection with Ghostbusters, it, it is something that I. I still try to hold very close to my heart because it, it really is something that I would be freaking out about if, you know, yeah. if I was still 10 years old. As, and you just made me, gave me a weird memory. I remember when I was apartment hunting, um, and for those, this is, this is like, I don't know how we're, this is like inside baseball about extra pleasant podcast and Jim's life. Everybody, uh, when I moved out here, I moved from New York and New Jersey. Cause I was like going to school in New Jersey, but my parents were in New York. And I said, I'm going to move out here and take a job at USC. And so I, when I moved out, I was looking for places to live and I started hunting around Culver city. Cause I had the logic of just don't live too far from a Trader Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> it's like things will be fine if you live within walking distance of a Trader Joe's. So, He's right. <laughs> so that was my demographic process of looking for apartments on Google maps was identify Trader Joe's locations, identify neighborhoods, and then look at median rent. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, I was looking for apartments and one of them that I didn't end up taking 
was like where Motor Avenue dead ends at the back of the lot, literally behind the Sony water tower, where like yep. the Sony water tower would have been my neighbor. Like I would yeah. have looked out the window and the support struts would have been like, oh, look, there's the view. So, yeah, yeah that's a weird time. But yeah, I mean, that's like that at that point when I first moved out here, when I was like, oh, my God, I live like right where, you know, Columbia Studios was and like Desi Lu Studios was here. Like so much of that was like so important to me and so huge because it just had such great cultural history to it. But it was also like not so well known because it's not like Hollywood. It's Culver City. It's like, what is yeah. this place? It's something totally different. But. Yeah, yeah, the Columbia studio lot is not where everyone thinks it is. They're like, oh, it's like, you know, down the street from like Paramount or Fox. And it's like, <laughs> no. well, it's it's closer to Fox. But those two are way out in like Culver City yeah. and Century City. Yeah, they're they're not close to Hollywood at all. I mean, maybe as as the crow flies, but by a freeway travel. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny after. um after our visit on the Sony lot this last time, um, you know, we said thank you. And we're like, okay, great. Like, we're going to, you know, take off. Uh, I looked down at my watch and I'm like, oh my God, it's six o'clock. Oh no, <laughs> I have to get on a freeway. <laughs> I live in an inside baseball into uh, LA Ghostbuster life. I live in Pasadena, which is not anywhere near no. Culver City. No. Um, you might as well be on different planets at that point. It took me... It took me about 30 minutes to drive from Pasadena to Culver City. And then it took me an hour and 45 minutes to drive from Culver City back to Pasadena. Yeah. So, yeah, getting from Pasadena or getting from Culver City to Pasadena at six o'clock at night in rush hour, Los Angeles traffic. Bad idea. Yeah, um, I I can appreciate that. Leaving Culver City is interesting because you have the 10 and you have the 405, but both of them are probably completely screwed up. <laughs> And they're on total opposite sides of the city. It so, took me 45 minutes just to get to a freeway from the from the lot. Yeah, because all I of those it. streets, you have everybody leaving the lot. These are like two lane streets. Mm -hmm. And they're all kind of these weird converging. I mean, you know, like around around the lot. It's like everything's kind of these weird angles. And all these streets are merging. You also have the Amazon studio lot like right next door. You have yep. everybody leaving from that as well. It's just, oh gosh, I, well, and this is like, news. maybe we're getting, we've gotten too inside of Los Angeles for some people and somebody out there right now listening in like Tennessee is like, come on, dude, get off the LA stuff. But, um, I think Culver City's fascinating at this point because it is its own entity inside of Los Angeles. So when you describe mm -hmm. all these little, like tiny intersecting streets and like little kind of villagey design that exists there, it's because it is its own entity that existed inside of like LA it has its yeah. own police force it has its own stuff but it's within LA city limits so when I lived there half of my street was rent controlled because it was yeah. in LA city limits and half mm -hmm. of it was not because it was in Culver and I lived like three houses into the rent control which was awesome wow. <laughs> but when they paved the street they came up the street and they just stopped they didn't yep. finish like paving because they were like nope this is not ours that's Culver cities to deal with but it does make this like interesting weird like kind of pocket you know of like yeah um almost like a smaller town feel in sort of smaller city feel inside of all of massive la and then you go like one block over and you're on venice boulevard and mm -hmm. it's like a rushing you know four lane free or six lane road with traffic lights and stuff it's a lot, got a way different vibe to it so um yeah i don't know there's a lot of tree lined streets and stuff it's very like 
yeah. you know, residentially. It's very weird, yeah. but it's nice. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, it's, it's one nice. of those places that I was nice to live when I lived there, but yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, hopefully we all get to go to Culver city more, uh, and go to the Sony lot and, you know, maybe like, I don't know, like I'm hopeful that maybe we'll do like a 40th anniversary event. Like, I don't know if they'll ever do a fan fest again because I don't know if anybody's ever going to want to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, the wizard world definitely kind of bungled that whole thing. I don't know if they're under new management at this point, but at the time that whole, uh, so I was in the Southland Ghostbusters at the time. And, yes. And uh, Wizard World. You were World. amongst the people who greeting everyone at FanFest. I remember it's like I have. Yes. I have video of all of you being like, welcome to FanFest. Welcome to FanFest yep. as I come in. So yeah. they gave us they gave us pat like like coupons to pass out at at, uh, at events that we were going to leading up to it where they were like, yeah. hey, if you if you pass out these event these event uh, discounts, you know, we'll we'll see what we can do about getting you guys a, a booth at FanFest. And we were like, awesome. Like, yeah, we'll do that. And we did. And it was very strange because we, they asked us to go to, it was like the LA County, like families recreation and something, something expo. I, I don't remember what it okay. was called. And it, you got there and it was like in the LA convention center in one of the smaller halls. And it was all for um, education and medical resources for kids, but not just kids, specifically um, underprivileged kids, like okay. financially disadvantaged kids. Yeah. And we're, we're passing out these like 10% off discount codes <laughs> for an event that cost $1,500. <laughs> It was <laughs> for class 10 attendees. It was like, what was it to be class one? It was like, yeah, still like several hundred bucks, right? To be yeah. there just to be like, hi, I have no premium access to anything. Yeah. For like $200 or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was so bizarre that they, they asked us to go there and do this. And we were like, this event is, this is not what you think it is. And, right. and to ask people to come to this event where, they're coming to an expo to find resources that are, you know, either free or or more readily affordable because they can't afford basic necessities. It's like this is such a <laughs> mismanaged like thing. I don't know if they still manage it that way at Wizard World, but I mean, they they ended up, I think, on the day like you could come in and get not the VIP pass, but like one of the like oh yeah mid-tier ones you could just come in for like 25 bucks or like, like 25 45 bucks. bucks they were just yeah. like are you in the parking lot come on in 25 dollars yeah. because no because no one came like with the exception of the ghost of like hardcore fans right like no like no one came it was so weird and yeah the first, and the first day was just a screening of the movie at the globe theater and it was right it was it was cool to see like ivan and and uh and uh, Danny and all those guys, but it was still just like, this is very weird. <laughs> it was fun, but very strange. Yeah, it was, it was still, I mean, I still say like, I spent a lot of money on that event and I don't regret any of it, especially because yeah. I, I, I was my 39th birthday to myself. My, like that was my gift. And I yeah. said, well, they're not going to do this when you turn 40. So you need to go just do your 40th <laughs> birthday thing now. And then when I turned 40, we were all stuck in the house 
for yeah. COVID yeah. in like week three or four of COVID. No one knew how to get like toilet paper, let alone how to have a birthday party. So it was just like, all right, I, I got it done. I checked yeah. that box early. I apparently, uh, you know, read the tea leaves correctly to know when to strike on my 40th birthday. But yeah, um, I would still say like, I would love to see another event like on the lot like that. If I don't know that they'll ever do something like that on the lot again, because like the we liability issues now like with two like, years ago. Yeah. Or like a year was, and a half ago. Yeah. But I mean, that's a way more conservative kind of event. Oh, yeah, that was like, for sure, you know, an outdoor screening with some props set up and um, free free snacks. Right. Which was like, cool. Um, and I have there's not I'm by no means I'm like they only gave us a free screening and let us look at the slime blower. Jeez. But like, like it wasn't, you know, panels and like guests and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And I would love to be able to do something like that again. I just don't know that it'll ever happen like a thing on the lot like that, because I think that like the liability for studios of having lots of people come yeah. on now is like way different post COVID, but I don't know. Yeah. I I'm hopeful that they'll do something like that one day. Um, maybe yeah. not this year, but per, well, definitely not the rest of this year. No. Um, probably not next year. Although, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll do something for, um, for firehouse. Yeah. Or the, or the 40th, 40th yeah. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, we might be doing just, something for the 40th. Who can say? Ooh, well, that's now we're going to have to just have you come back before the 40th so you can tell us about all the things you can't tell us now. Well, we <laughs> might. I, what I will say about that is uh, we might be unavailable at the time. God, I want to tell everybody about this idea so much. I mean, those those of you who know me like know this idea because I've told you in private, but like. Yeah, it's, I, I, I can't. <laughs> it's, it's fine. We'll hold on to it. There'll be there'll, yeah. there will be a fun story to tell later. And that's part of, um, you know, the fun of uh, being a fan of things is that sometimes you have things in the works that you just can't talk about yet because you're producing something cool and you, uh, you know, want to be able to hold off on that until the right yeah. time to talk about it. It's just like making not, movies, folks. Yeah. Like, not know, ready to let the just, cat out of the bag just yet. Yeah. So I don't soon, take it personally. Very soon. Um, I know that you are coming up here, uh, to my area of the neck of the woods very soon because, um, you're going to be at Seaside Oddities Expo in Ventura, uh, this coming weekend, actually, uh, the Ventura County Fairgrounds, right? Yeah. We're driving up on Friday for setup and then we will be there Saturday and Sunday. Gotcha. And what are you like? Seaside Oddities Expo, as I understand it is like kind of not so much a con, but more like a cool spooky haunted flea market. Like it's an, um, lots of vendors, lots of like, uh, exhibitors, et cetera. Like cosplay is welcome, but like, it's yeah. not so much like a convention with, with panels and things. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that it's going to be a lot like if anyone went to midsummer scream in, yeah. um, you know, down in long beach, it's going to be like that minus the panels and minus, I think the, uh, the haunted, uh, maze room. But it's going to be a con floor or similar to like a con floor right. with a lot of vendors, with a lot of um, like small businesses that are selling and uh, offering some spooky wares uh, just in time because yeah. we're coming up on that season. And uh, you might even meet some Ghostbusters there uh, who are just trying to keep the place uh, ghost free and uh, safe for everybody. I'm trying to decide if this is the closest event that you'll have ever done to the beach. Because I don't know if you've ever been to the Ventura County Fairgrounds, but they are literally it is literally on the beach. beach. Yeah. yeah. So like it it will be yeah. uh, because yeah, Long Beach 
it's close, but the convention center is still across the street from yeah. the beach. It's a few blocks. Like it's a few yeah. blocks walk. Whereas like literally the fairgrounds, you step off of them and you can step onto the boardwalk yeah. for the beach. For those yeah, of you out there the who are like, Jim, how do you know this so much? Because I used to live in Ventura and I used to ride my bike 15 miles every other day past the fairgrounds <laughs> yeah. on the we promenade. Will, we will definitely be. This is the closest to the beach we've ever gotten. So, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. You have to take we'll some beach the, photos then. That's you have like you're right there. So you got to be able to like take your gear oh, out. And, like we'll to get, get our Ghostbuster photo. swimsuits out. <laughs> Jump in the water. <laughs> That water will be cold, I assure you. <laughs> oh, it's the Pacific. I know it's cold. <laughs> yeah, but it's Surfer's Point is right there. So you can That's go out right. and do some yeah. like possessed surfing or something. I don't know. Like maybe get some some surf scuba work. Like, can you use the slime tanks in some way for that? Like film with oxygen instead? And <laughs> I don't know. But, I don't know if I could get them to hold pressure like that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, as a certified open water diver, I don't think I would do it. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Uh, they'll like take a take a breath in the regulator, like, oh, and then someone's like, "What happened?" They're like, oh, slime is backed up in there. I don't well, know, depending some... upon how it's charged, if it's positive or negative, you might either really enjoy or really hate the experience. One or the other. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm excited to see you all up there because I'm going to come out to that event. Like I said, um, but I I have not been to it before. I don't know. I think they did it maybe one year. Like I think they did it last year, maybe. They but, did it last year because they asked us to come out last year and our schedule. We just we just weren't able to make it work. Um, yeah. But this is the second uh, second annual Seaside Oddities. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's a new event, a newer thing happening <laughs> uh, in Ventura County. And I'm stoked to check it out. Um, you're yeah. going to be up there doing. Obviously, you have a booth. You're going to be doing, you know, exhibiting props and things and talking with folks. And it's I true. imagine you're doing yeah raffle right um yes we have so we'll have the cars out front and then we will have the uh our traditional uh charity raffle so we have a lot of really cool prizes some of which uh were donated from sony uh to help us raise money uh so we will be giving all that stuff away and um we're also doing in conjunction with that we are asking people that if they want to participate in the raffle, we are asking that they donate cash. Um, $5 gets you a raffle ticket. We're asking that, hey, we take cards. You can also scan the QR code and pay via PayPal or Venmo, however you want. But we are asking uh, for cash. And the reason why is because another event we have in October, uh, specifically October 25th, uh, we are going back to Luskin Orthopedic Center in downtown Los Angeles. They're a small uh, uh, hospital that uh, works with children, uh, specifically uh, children of the central LA community. And we want to give them the best, you know, Halloween experience that they can get. And so we are trying to provide them with 200 uh, costumes uh, nice. For those kids to be able to come outside with us for that event to trick or treat. Uh, right now we have, I think, 12 costumes already uh, set aside uh, that, you know, our group has been able to uh, pull together. Um, but yeah, we've already we're working with the Starlight Children's Foundation, as we always do on that event with Luskin. And they asked us if it would be if it would be possible to donate 200 costumes. And we said, you know what? 
at at our next couple of events, let's let's do our traditional charity raffle, and any cash donations we get will go towards the purchase of those uh, Halloween costumes for those kids. Nice. So yeah, cool. That's our that's our big push this weekend is uh, try to get as many of those costumes as we can. And if someone is listening to this and they have a costume that they want to donate or they're going to buy their kids costumes and check out Seaside Oddities, you know, maybe purchase one more of those costumes and drop it off to us. We'll make sure it finds a good home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's one of those things that I think is really cool that you all are doing. Like you do the starlight stuff that, you know, like your campaign for that was nationwide, but like you haven't stopped doing the smaller stuff off at cons and stuff too, that, you know, is still in partnership with them. Yeah. And yeah. it gets so cool. Like now I want to go buy costumes just to bring them to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd, I'd welcome it. Um, you know, I'm also, I've reached out to a lot of uh, Halloween costume vendors uh, to try to set up an event, uh, basically to do a costume drive. Yeah. Uh, so nothing has uh, been confirmed as of yet, or nothing that I can share as of yet. Uh, but uh, keep an eye out for that, because we would definitely love to do a costume drive and have people, you know, bring costumes to us. They have to be new, like they can't be uh, used costumes, unfortunately. They have gotcha. to be new. They are going to a hospital. So that means that they need to go to kids clean. And yes, you know, it can't yeah. be your, your kid's costume from last year with, you know, uh, Twix uh, caramel still stuck to it. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't use it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I new. hope that the people from Spirit Halloween who clearly are listening to this podcast as opposed to being deeply embroiled in the season um, will <laughs> jump to the opportunity to donate some costumes. Damn it. And if not, then whoever's listening at fun costumes, then you should do it Um, because (laughs) come on, you're better than Spirit Halloween. You're around all year. Spirit Halloween just tries to move in parts of the year and old stores like Tuesday morning and take them all over in California. (laughs) This is true. Yeah, I visited a Tuesday, a former Tuesday morning location yesterday for Spirit Halloween. And I have to say it was the second one I've been to. And uh, this one was far better stocked. And far better set up than the first one I went to. So note note to you, if you're while you're in Ventura, skip the Ventura Spirit Halloween. Go to the one in Camarillo instead. Um way better. Pro experience. tip. Pro tip. Yeah. I'll give you another pro tip since you're gonna be in Ventura. You at the fairgrounds are around the corner from probably some of the best New York style pizza in all of Ventura County. Ooh. except for what's at my house. I'm going to just, because oh, you know, okay. I'm that much of a pizza snob, but Tony's <laughs> pizzeria, shout out to Tony's pizzeria in Ventura. Uh, it was a little shack by the beach around the corner from the fairgrounds. That was literally just a shack. There was nothing else there. It was a cash only operation that would serve you pizza. And it would put, they wouldn't even put it in a box. It would go in a Brown bag. And it was made by an old guy named Tony for years. Who was like, he went to World War II, came back, worked in a pizzeria in Brooklyn, and then moved to Ventura and decided to make pizza wow. the way they did in the 1940s forever. Um, and he since passed away and his family is like taking the business on and they have now expanded it. They put in like outdoor uh, bars and like a stage wow. and they revamped the entire place. And I had the, the luxury of having a lunch there a few weeks ago for the first time, probably in like two, three years because I don't live in Ventura anymore. And um, when I was last there, it was a tiny little shack. And I was just like, whoa, this is like now a pizza experience with outdoor music and things. And I have to say, pizza still holds up. So um, when you're in Ventura, Tony's Pizzeria, right by the fairgrounds, it's right around the corner on the corner of Thompson and Figueroa Street. So Indy, Indy, we're going. (laughs) 
<laughs> Andy, we're going to Tony's Pizzeria. He's not here. <laughs> I know he's not. Let's just, but he's he's listening. Don't worry. I'm sure he's he's obviously an avid he's, listener. He's here in our hearts every week. Yeah. <laughs> Indy, uh, for those of you who don't know, Indy, uh, Michael Indy Johns of uh, the LA Ghostbusters. He is always here in my heart. Yeah. Um, well, he's also your quartermaster for your organization. So that's true. He's probably also represented himself in some way in your attire and on your on your, uh, your, your exterior. <laughs> he is. If uh, if someone ever comments on on a flight suit, it is definitely him. It, he is always positive. He he yes. never poo poos anybody. He is always I positive. Find and need to be a very enjoyable person to be around. He should come on yes. the podcast sometime. That would be fun. He really um, should. Indy. He's not here. Like I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, man. what is there anything else about seaside oddities that you're looking forward to? Like things that you're, you've heard about that are coming there or anything you want to get done while you're in the Ventura area. Well, now I got to check out Tony's pizzeria. So that's one. Um, no, the, the big thing is, uh, you know, we really encourage people to come out and check out the cool spooky vendors. There's a lot of really talented artists that are going to be there too. Uh, so get some, you know, cool, uh, custom art if you can and, uh, check out your, uh, your LA ghostbusters who are going to be there. Uh, you know, busting some ghosts, doing some ESP tests. Uh, we can't electrocute people anymore. Court order, but, But we uh, still want to check the uh, the effect of, uh, on your ESP ability, so please come out for that. And uh, if you can, please consider donating to our fundraisers. Yeah, um, if folks wanted to donate um, to, I mean, like, I know I'm sure you probably saw the Starlight ca- campaign running, but if folks wanted to donate to anything towards like your um, your campaign for costumes for uh, Luskin Orthopedic Hospital, like, is there a way for them to do that if they can't uh, donate a costume, like if they're at a far? If they can't uh, come out to an event or donate the costume, uh, you know, when they see us, I'm working on that. I'm trying to find a way that doesn't include just giving out my Venmo. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, when when we set up uh, when we set up LAGB and we decided that, you know, OK, everything we do, we want it to have a charity angle. We always wanted to make sure that everything was as transparent as possible. Uh, when it came to the money we raised, you know, yeah, always have receipts, always make sure that the money never comes into our hands directly, that it always goes directly to Starlight. And that if we do get cash, that we always show our receipts for the amount that we donate to make sure that it, if anyone were to ever feel suspicious of us, we could always just say right here, there's our donation you know, we, the cash that we received, we donated on behalf of those who donated the cash. Um, so this in particular is a a different situation because we're not, while Starlight is working with us to make this happen, that cash is going to be going towards purchasing these, these gowns. Right. And, you know, it coming into like a personal Venmo account. I, I don't know how comfortable I feel about that um right just because it's like i don't want the money ever coming into like my personal bank account so it's just it, yeah it's, no, it's, it's not a, a big mess it's yeah, a big it's, mess it's a big mess and even though you know we're not going to do anything nefarious with it we're buying kids costumes 
Um, it's just, I never want yeah, but anybody. You also don't want to pay taxes on it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like it came in, it's my account as income. Well, great. I'm uncle Sam and I'm here to get tax money, but we spent it on kids. That's nice. I still yeah. want my money. That was income. Uh, that's yeah. why you want to be really careful about that for sure. Right. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's the taxes and it's the, it's the transparency. Like we just, we just want to be as transparent as possible. And a, and a Venmo account is not the way to do that. Um, so. Yeah, we're, we're we're looking at it. We're going to see if there's a way that people can donate. Uh, you know that doesn't if if they can't come to an event. Um, yeah. But if not, I would still encourage them to donate to our Starlight campaign, which you can find a link to it in our Instagram, on our TikTok, and on our website at uh, Los Angeles Ghostbusters. Um. So yeah, if you can't donate for a costume, still donate to the cause. We do have this is another one of those things I can't fully reveal yet, but we do have another. A big fundraiser thing uh, coming up that has not been announced yet because we're still uh, falling in all the details. Uh, But uh, the donations that are coming in, I think in October, are going to start going into that. Gotcha. Yeah. I was thinking about this recently because, like, um, you you as you brought this up about how do you take donations in, and it's kind of a challenge. Um, There was another franchise out there a newer franchise i believe is the tar hill ghostbusters that started doing things with a charity called the little bricks charity um which does like lego kits for yes. kids in hospitals yes and I like read all they about found this. a way to, like kind of i was like i thought this was very cool like in a way that you almost kind of indirectly inspired this in a way that like their <laughs> model is to donate directly to little bricks like they have a page mm-hmm. that you can go mm-hmm. to um, that is like littlebrickscharity.org slash who you going to call where yeah. you can go there and like donate money. And what they do with the funds is they buy Lego kits for kids who are in the hospital. But like what that challenge, right. Is like, normally you'd want to go like, Hey, let's go buy a whole bunch of Lego kits for kids in the hospital. Let's get money to do it. And then you have that problem of like, well, what do we do with the income? Right. So it's like, what we got to find now is like some organization that like buys costumes. Hey, wait, doesn't spirit Halloween have one of those? Don't they have some something like that? <laughs> I have I, I have reached out to Spirit Halloween. I've also reached out to other uh, costume uh, distributors in L.A. County. I can't really speak to their involvement because as of right now, it is not an involvement. But yeah, of uh, course, there are conversations happening. What I'm finding is that with a lot of these companies, these are things that they needed to know about last year to implement now and this wasn't something that we knew about until very recently within the last few weeks and and so it's kind of like we would love to do this had we known about it sooner right and you know i'm I'm not the kind of person who wants to take no for an answer i'm the kind of person who wants to go i understand that is there anything else we can do or any other way if it's not this could we try this and you know at some point you have to you know, know when, when you've spent your lives and you have to, you know, go back to the start. Uh, but you know, I'm not ready to throw in the towel with that just yet because I really do feel like the the spirit of children foundation for those who everybody, everybody talks about spirit Halloween and who says spirit of Halloween. You're wrong. The name of the store is spirit Halloween. But the reason you think it's called that is because of the nonprofit organization that they yes. take mo- funds for is called Spirit, Spirit of Children. Of Hall- 
Yeah, Spirit of Children. <laughs> and, and that provides costumes, accessories, decorations, and all the things needed for Halloween parties, including volunteers, to hospitals throughout the country. So I'm, I'm yes. just saying, Spirit, if you're out there listening, if somebody at Spirit headquarters is listening to the podcast, which I assume is obviously happening because you want my deep knowledge on how I feel about your <laughs> Ghostbusters layout and Ventura County area Spirit Halloweens, on this week's podcast, um, that's not really a thing on this week's podcast because good God, no one needs that. Uh, but for real, like that's a thing where it's like, I think making those kinds of connections with organizations potentially like and saying, hey, how do we like do a donation page or do a way to donate to these different funds is a way around yeah. that problem. And I think it's cool that like you and Starlight figured that out. I think that like it's cool that Tar Heel and like Little Bricks is figuring that out. I wish we could like, that's a thing to start strategizing about. Like you're this sort of yeah. year delay thing is like, okay, it's a problem for the immediacy, but it's a thing to start recognizing that it's like, if you're a franchise out there and you want to do something like figure out how you directly partner with that nonprofit organization in your town or in your area, or even as like nationwide, if it's something that you really value, like if you're going off yeah. to conventions for like Lego things and you meet the same people over and over, great, establish a relationship. But like, yeah. that's, this weird way of like, yeah, we're not official groups, you know, like we're like franchises that, you know, I'm not that I'm not that I am a franchise. I just hang out with you because you're cool and you are nice <laughs> to me. And then sometimes you put a sticker on my arm and tell me it's my temporary badge. But like, we love you, um, <laughs> which <laughs> I still you, have that sticker. I still have that sticker. It's on the wall. We'll give you here. another one. Um, when you come out, we'll give you another one. I was going to repurpose it and be like, I brought a dirty one. Will you still accept me? Uh, but uh, <laughs> I think about this a bunch that like there's a lot of different organizations out there that are trying to do things for charity and that don't have a good way to gather money. That even goes for things like GoFundMe's, like for people who are sick in yeah. the hospital and stuff, right? Like part of the reason GoFundMe exists in a weird way is like, oh, we need a, a slush fund to be able to donate into that someone else is responsible for taking the money to. But then yeah. when that money take comes out and it gets given to whoever it's going to, it's income to them, right? It's not not profit money. It's yeah. It's so when you're trying to do those donation drives and things, I think it's cool to start trying to reach out to those different organizations to fill that gap or sort of plug that tax hole of like, how do you take in funds for an organization indirectly yeah. without also being like, Hey, now it's income for me, you know? So, well, the spirit Halloween of Pasadena has my contact information. And if the spirit, the folks at spirit Halloween of Pasadena want to get in touch with me about making this happen, you have my number and you have my email, so <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> if I find out that the manager of this Pasadena Spirit Halloween store is spending the Halloween season listening to this podcast in store as opposed to playing their awesome spooky music, I'm going to be really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go there tomorrow and just be like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, I went to the Spirit Halloween by me and they had a very smart small smattering of ghostbusters items but this year seems very much about mars attacks which i'm like is that a halloween movie is that even in count but whatever so, i mean ghostbusters isn't really a halloween movie either uh, uh, if you'll permit me i'm gonna go off on a on a on a old man yells at cloud tangent for a second i welcome this okay so I want to st uh, before I delve into my my rant here because I pertaining exactly what you just said about how wow Mars attacks is like having a resurgence in Spirit Halloween right now. This will <laughs> relate to, this will relate directly to that in just a second. But before I before I build to that, I want to say for those of you out there who really love the movie Hocus Pocus, oh, 
I sincerely applaud you. I, it is not my place to, you know, uh, disparage anyone's fandom. If you love that movie, I am so happy for you. Love that movie. <laughs> that being said, I grew up in the same, you know, child, the, the 90s childhood of the movie Hocus Pocus. It yes. did not resonate with me, but that's not to say that it didn't resonate with a large audience that now loves it very, sure. very fondly. And rightfully so. Every movie deserves its fan base. Except for one. We're not gonna go but we're not gonna go there. Um <laughs> But uh but no, every movie deserves its fan base. And Wait, I, love- I feel the need to clarify very quickly that what you meant by that was not Ghostbusters 2016. Because no. someone who listens to this podcast will misinterpret what you just said. Because no. and I, I know that's not how you feel. And so before somebody somehow injects that into this, <laughs> no, even there's- though even though it and Hocus Pocus do share a musical dance number. That is true. Um, no, for I wasn't going to name it, but I'll name it. Um, I I don't think the the remake of The Hills Have Eyes deserves a fan oh, okay. base. That's fair. I think it's a bad movie. I don't. <laughs> every movie deserves a fan base. Not that one. Um, I'm, anyway. sorry, I'm hope it's OK that I dragged you back from potentially crossing that those train tracks no. in front of that train. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I don't. We're not going to get into 2016. I will just no. say I don't hate that movie. And I think if you still hold a grudge against that movie, I- I'm sorry. Let I'm it go. very sorry for you. You, just let you it go. need to <laughs> let it go. Um, anyway, so uh, so back to Hocus Pocus. Uh, I noticed, like, I hadn't thought about the movie Hocus Pocus in probably 25 years yeah. Until I went to Spirit Halloween, I think three <laughs> or four years ago. Yep. And I was like, what the heck is with the like resurgence of like, Hoc- like who remembers Hocus Pocus? Like a film that this is just my opinion, everybody, and you can disagree with me and that's fine. A film that is just a notch above a made for TV, you know, Disney Channel movie. What is with the movie having this big like display at Spirit Halloween? This is very weird. And within a few months of that, all of a sudden, every person I know came out of the woodwork and was like, I love Hocus Pocus. And I was like, you have never mentioned Hocus Pocus in the past 20 years of our friendship. What is going on? And, you know, I just think it's one of those movies that you don't think about until you go, until that nostalgia, you know, hits and you're like, yes. oh my gosh, I have such fond memories of that. And, um, and again, I'm not disparaging anybody who really likes that movie. I, I, I think it's great no. that people like that movie and seeing its resurgence, it's like, wow, what a, what a cool experience uh, to I mean, have to something fair, you loved as a kid come back like that. To be That's fair, great. they did, they did put out a sequel in 2022. So, you know, some might argue that that resurgence in that marketing was, you know, successful, (laughs) successful (laughs) that because that marketing pushed the audience to demand a sequel and they made it. Yes. And, you know, I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't either. I rewatched Hocus Pocus, the first one uh, recently. And that's all I'll say about that. (laughs) I I watched (laughs) 
I, I watched it and I was like, okay, <laughs> it was on Disney. I Plus, will say so this. I, did. I think you're on to something because like around the same time they began doing the hocus pocus pushing at spirit Halloween is also around the same time they began doing the Beetlejuice push yes. at spirit Halloween. And we and are now- obviously like what's delayed the completion of the filming of a Beetlejuice movie that was filming at the same time as a Ghostbusters movie yep, was the yep. strikes. Right. So, and then apparently from what I read, what I've read, like things were stolen from the set, like uh, iconic statues that have been around, like since the first movie were lifted off the set, like while yep. they were shut down. So that's that movie's having issues. But like the, the point is like, I'm waiting for like, is there a killer clowns from outer space? movie coming in three years because like spirit Halloween has been on killer clowns for two years. Right. And- I mean, maybe, but I, but I also think that like to go back to what you, to what brought us to this conversation is Mars attacks. Like, yes, I, I walked into the spirit Halloween in Pasadena and I was like, I don't, like I saw Mars attacks. I don't remember. Like, does anyone remember that movie? There's one thing so- everyone remembers from that. It is this. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, you know, I, I'm not disparaging Tim Burton or anybody in that movie. I saw it in theaters when I was a kid and enjoyed it enough. And but I don't like have any no. like nostalgia for it. And so seeing um, seeing this display at Spirit Halloween, I was like, who is this for exactly? And I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure there is someone out there who is super nostalgic for it and would love to see it have a sequel yeah or you know some sort of resurgence independence day resurgence (laughs) you know uh but it's like (laughs) i just don't like it's just i'm starting to i noticed the marketing push with hocus pocus yeah and then killer clowns and now i feel i feel the marketing is overplaying its hand with mm-hmm. something like Mars attacks where it's like, see what's when I was thinking about this, yeah. as we're talking about this even more. I'm like, Hey, didn't Ilphonic just also announce they have the license for a killer clowns game. Like, art wasn't that a thing that they're yeah. doing is like, they have a killer clowns so. video game. So I'm yeah. like, maybe this is part of the shtick now. Like maybe like spirit Halloween is the entry point. They're like, we're going to go test the waters. We're going to put out some stuff to see how people react to it at, at Spirit Halloween on seasonal. Yeah. And then we'll figure out, should we go further with the marketing plan on these things? In which yeah. case we should expect to see some, some Mars attacks soon. Um, you know, I, I also think that maybe we've entered an era where like part of this is about the um, straight up mid nineties movies that um, yeah. played well for us as kids, but didn't age well. Like last week we were talking about Casper. Like, uh, and, and like the Casper movie or was it last week or a couple weeks ago? I can't remember, but like we ended up talking, it was Tony Taylor, I think was talking to me about Casper. So I'm interested to see like, what will be next Casper, for instance, like, you know, is a thing that we've talked about in the podcast in the last few weeks that I feel like is yeah. a mid nineties movie. Um, other movies of the same like genre of era that I think about that nobody really talks about being fans of, but people still have like nostalgic connection to Ernest scared, stupid. Um, like is a oh. like Halloween movie that I love deeply, but is also weird and like strange and like Eartha Kit is talking about the heart of a child and all kinds yeah. of weird things throughout yeah. it. Um, yeah, but like you don't see Ernest scared stupid at Spirit Halloween yet. But if they did, could you imagine an Ernest resurgence? Like, could you, you know, do that? Could somebody else be that character than Jim Varney? I feel like I I could be dead wrong in this. I. Feel like there was an attempt to do 
like an earnest project a few like it, within the last 10 years and that they had cast somebody who looked a little like Jim Vardy and who did a like a dead on like voice. Yeah. But I, I don't think it ever moved forward, probably because it's like that character is Jim Varney. Like you cannot do it without him. And he's sadly, uh, he was sadly taken from us way too young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to see like, like now that again, uh, since, uh, the late great Paul Rubens passed, there's been a mm-hmm. lot of like kind of nostalgia for Pee Wee. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I grew up with Pee Wee's playhouse and Pee Wee's big adventure. And I loved Pee-wee growing up and then all of a sudden he disappeared and then when you got older you realized why he disappeared and you're like oh man and as an adult like looking at back it's like oh man what a stupid thing to grill him for uh especially because it's like you know for those of you who don't know uh kids kids if you're listening to the podcast cover your ears the the late great paul rubens was arrested in the 90s for um, indecent exposure within an adult film theater to which I say what the heck are you supposed to do in an adult <laughs> film theater because you're not going for the cinematography and you're not going for the plot so what are you there for so the the it, it really is just so silly that you know this poor guy was raked over the coals for something so stupid. And and I'm sure that afterwards, I'm sure he was like, God, that was stupid of me. But like he, like his career was kind of sidelined for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, because of that. And, it, you know, looking back, I was like, man, I don't think that was right for the, for the society to shun him, especially now that he's gone. It's like, imagine like all of the great content we could have gotten from him uh, in those years had that not happened. Um, but anyway, I do think there's, there's one thing in the nineties that I tried to kind of get back into and kind of can't, um, is power Rangers. That was huge when I was a kid. It was like the big, like, I think the only thing that surplanted it was Pokemon like five to six years later. Um, but man, I love the heck out of power Rangers and that following is still massive. I mean, just absolutely massive. Oh, yeah. And I, sure. I think the biggest problem, I don't know if anyone saw the the reboot movie that came out a few years ago, which I thought was a great movie. It wasn't a very good Power Rangers movie because they didn't ever do Power Rangers stuff until the last 10 minutes. Um, but I thought it was a great film, like a really great character exploration, a good story, good characters. It's just, they're not doing Power Rangers stuff. Right. Uh, but I think part of the the failure of that film um and i say failure as in like financial failure um is that it kind of came out too early like the 90s nostalgia wasn't quite there when it came out Mm -hmm. and i feel like we're swept up in 90s nostalgia now and it's like now's the time to do a power rangers movie and you kind of can't because the brand was kind of put on ice because of that film uh and at this point people who were involved with the original franchise of had yeah, many their past. There's people who have criminal issues. There's there's like yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, but you know, rest in peace, uh, Jason David Frank, uh, who left us almost a year ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was he was awesome. I he was apparently like so patient 
and supportive with the fans. Like anyone who came up to him, like he was yeah. happy for a photo, happy for an autograph, would chat with you, would would like absolutely welcome anyone to like his. He had a dojo for a long time. Mm-hmm. So like, that's really cool. It's nice to see uh, a celebrity who embraces even something as, as, you know, childish. I, I, I don't want to say childish. That's not the right word, but something as, you know, niche, I suppose, as the Power Rangers. It's like, you know, good right. for him for really embracing it in a way that he didn't have to. He could have just been like, hey, man, it's a job. Leave me alone. But instead, he like really welcomed the fans. And that's a great thing. Rest in peace. Gone too soon. I was thinking about um, <laughs> what what will Spirit Halloween's offerings look like? in 2024 like what will be the Ooh. big like things that they'll be pushing Let's i think they'll have to have a, <laughs> like i'm gonna say one that there will be a bigger ghostbusters section at spirit halloween in 2024 than there is this year because the movie will have come out and there will sort of pr- presumably from my end mean that there's yeah. like more of a reason for it to be in the cultural discussion and for people to be dressing up as it but i could be wrong i mean like there there wasn't a huge section when Afterlife came out, but the merch was all screwed up because of COVID too. So who knows? Um, there were new proton packs and new branding, but yeah. there wasn't new items. So I would I'm, like to see a bigger push for that. You know, I'm hopeful for a bigger push of Ghostbuster stuff, especially now that they have a full size proton pack. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually a lot of our members use those for their parades now. Yeah, uh, because they're super light. Just put it on an Alice frame, and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in a parade, no one's noticing details like that. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping to see some just like, I, you know, I got, I got a real kick last year because they had a small section of Avatar The Last Airbender uh, stuff. And they had a, a plush posable uh, Momo uh, that I, I came so close to buying and I was like, nah, they'll have him next year. No, they don't. And I should have bought them when I had a chance. Uh, yeah, I went into Spirit this year and I saw they had like the blue Spirit costume that Zuko wears in season one and uh, a little bit in season two. And they had an Aang costume, uh, but that was kind of it. I was like, oh man, I really want to see that series, you know, perpetuate. And I know that they have a new um, movie coming out not next year, but the year after. So I'm hoping that yeah. the marketing for that kind of kicks up. I was excited this year to see a lot of Ninja Turtles. Uh, that's probably next to Ghostbusters and Star Wars. That's kind of the next like fandom down for me. Um, friggin' love the Ninja Turtles. And I was so excited to see more Ninja Turtles stuff. And, uh, you know, actually this goes to our off-air discussion. We were talking about... Uh, you know, brand shepherding uh, in between like big milestones and talk about a franchise that has been shepherded along in so many unique ways since its inception. Before we started recording, you and I were talking about this idea that like, you know, we're hopeful to see like Hasbro maybe do more than just treat the next toy releases as like um, uh, events, right? That they sort of have had this mentality of, Hey, we're putting out Ghostbusters afterlife toys, right? Yeah. As a, and while in contrast, Spirit Halloween, which is kind of what kind of dovetails in this. If we're looking for a segue here, here's where it is, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spirit Halloween, in contrast, has always treated the Ghostbusters line as here is a proton pack. It's not a Ghostbusters afterlife proton pack. It's not a Ghostbusters it's just a afterlife pack. PKE meter. Yeah. Where they've made flaws in that is doing things like Ghostbusters 35th 
walkie talkie. And now they've yeah. rebranded that without the 35th stuff on it. So yeah. what we, you and I were talking about uh, sort of before we started recording was this idea that like Hasbro doesn't really do that. They currently market almost all their toys as like an event like, Oh, there's a movie coming out. There's an Indiana Jones movie coming out. So we're not making Indiana Jones toys. We're making Indiana Jones and the, whatever this movie was called toys. Dial of destiny. Forget. Show some respect. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know the, we- but, the, the spinner of time. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but what we were talking about or what, what I was kind of talking about with that discussion was, you know, the new Indiana Jones movie, whether you loved it or hated it. Um, I personally loved it, uh, but it was a financial disaster. Uh, the movie was too expensive. It was almost $350 million. Last I checked, it didn't even come close to making its money back. It lost money. Sadly, uh, it was a big old flop. And I argue that part of the reason is that the brand has not been shepherded along since Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out in 2008, right. uh, which was not well received by anyone, critics or fa- <laughs> right. I mean, c- critics, <laughs> critics were kind of like, oh, you know, it's fun. But the fans hey, it especially, was well received by the folks over at Crystal Head Vodka. They were very into that movie. <laughs> we, yeah, yes, they were. Uh, but the, the movie, whether you like that movie or, or dislike it, it was not very well received. And so the brand has sat with that blemish for the past, uh, you know, 15 years. And then instead of, you know, putting out a line of comics or maybe putting out animated series, you know, something to keep the brand going beyond just the movies. It's just here's a new movie and here you go. And we hope you see it because we spent a lot of money on it. And, you know, I really liked Dial of Destiny. I really, really loved it. Uh, but uh, it's kind of too late because you guys didn't right. do anything to keep the name circulating currently in the zeitgeist. It's something we look back on, not something we're currently looking at. Mm-hmm. And and um, and I think that's a big problem. And that's, that's one of the reasons why Star Wars is still so successful is because whether you love the current stuff or not, it is still making money because right. they're always making something. If it's not a live action show, it's an animated series. If it's not an animated series, it's a video game or a comic book or just a straight up line of toys. And, you yeah. know, th- the shepherding of the brand is what keeps it circulating. And so when a new movie comes out, we're excited. It's kind and- of funny, but like as much as we talked about Spirit Halloween is like being the entry point of marketing as if it's like some sort of scheme it's kind of reflexive, right? Of like culture oh, and how 100%. that of like what people want to dress up and is what they want to do. And I can be wrong about this. I might be, but like I went through spirit Halloween. I didn't see a deep section of Indiana Jones. Like there is always like, you can get a Brown jacket, you can get a Brown hat, you can get a whip, but like, there's not like a, Oh, Indiana Jones is being shepherded as like a Halloween costume that has official merchandise the same way. And I, I might be wrong about that. There may be some the deep Indiana Jones fans out there. Indy from your franchise may in fact come and find me and beat me up later and be like, there's actually a staff you can buy that makes you be able to open things with it. If you shine it through lights. But like, I mean, like, I don't, I don't see that when I walk into spirit as like a franchise that gets represented and not as if spirit is like the end all be all of franchise, you know, of, of media franchise representation. But in terms of shepherding, in terms of like, are you, cultivating and creating a space for people to identify with those characters and be part of that fandom on a regular. I don't know that that's a thing that Indiana Jones necessarily does. Ghostbusters has it being done for it each Halloween season, at least, Yeah, you know? but yeah. 
And and I think Ghostbusters is able to have its brand shepherded along by the fan groups. Yeah. Uh, because every Halloween we get very busy and we go out there where we we put the brand back in the public uh, zeitgeist. It's not on the scale of, you know, Star Wars or Indiana right. Jones. But, you know, we we do keep the brand going. I, or at least that's kind of how I look at it. I'm not saying that we're responsible for shepherding the brand, but we do represent it in a, in a way. And it's important that we kind of keep that in mind. And it's like kind of this silly, but it's like as much as we kind of poke it like, Oh, there's more random merchandise, like t-shirts and mugs and cookie jars and whatever comes out, you know, figurines like there is arguably more of that for something like ghostbusters than there is for, I don't know, Indiana Jones. Like, I don't know who's producing, you know, um, like, I don't know, screen accurate grails that you can buy from. They're definitely <laughs> out there, but, but I, I can, t- I can point you in more resources to get, uh, to get a Ghostbuster replica, like of a, of a right. niche thing in Ghostbusters than yeah. I can something very broadly appealing in Indiana Jones. Right. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's fair. And, but, and that kind of like speaks to this notion that it's like, in some ways, what we're talking about is that brand shepherding, right? Like the yeah. hocus pocus thing even is like, hey, we can kind of go and talk to these fans who are out there. That's why I think Casper's going to come back. I think Tony Taylor's right about this. Casper's oh, I, I think he might back. be right. Yeah, I'm I'm half expecting matinee to make a return somehow. Like remember oh, matinee? That was the movie yeah. with like the giant, like where they like that's uh, yeah, like takes place in the movie theater and there's like mm-hmm. giant ants and things like yeah, it would be be that's a movie I could see somehow making a resurgence in some way, but being nineties, like the, ver- the nineties version of it, you know? Like, oh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah. That I yeah, could see that right. coming back. Uh, yeah, Corridor crew so, just did a, just did a honey. I shrunk the kids thing. They did. They made it R rated. Yeah. Um, shout out yeah. to corridor crew. If you've never seen corridor crew folks out there who are listening, corridor crew does an amazing series of like video, um, artists watch and critique video artist work. And they also do, a great series with stunt workers, like stunt actors who come on and then like review other people's stunt work and their own stunt work and talk about how it's done. That's really fascinating. You can find that on YouTube under corridor crew. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they do some really amazing work over there. Actually, one of their crew members I went to college with, his name is Jan. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. Really cool guy. And, uh, when I saw him in one of their videos, I was like, what? It's Jan. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and like I was saying, I think that going back to brand shepherding, like Ninja Turtles is one of those things that's been brand shepherded since day friggin' one. Yeah. The first issue yeah. of the comic, ever since, it has always been something. Like, it's never been dormant for very long. If it wasn't um, an animated series, it was a live-action movie. If it wasn't a live-action movie, it was a live-action TV show. Yeah. The less said about that one, the better. <laughs> and then it was another, and every couple of years, they re-up a version of the Ninja Turtles. I think that right. the 2012 computer-generated one was probably the best interpretation of the Turtles so far. Um, but before that show was even off the air, they had announced, cast, and had already become production on Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. And, and when before that one was done, they announced that Seth Rogen... And Evan Goldberg were working on, you know, the most recent movie with a TV series to spin off of that. And I right. have some friends who were at Nickelodeon right now working on that show. And it's like, that is 
that is how you keep a brand constantly circulating. You know, I think Star Wars has done a really good job with the animated series and now the live action series. But like ever, anybody, any corporation out there that wants to keep their brand alive with quality, like you need to study the strategy of um, Kevin, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird and how they managed to keep something as silly as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> alive and relevant for almost 40 years. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's, no, you're it's not wrong really amazing. Yeah, it, it really. And that's something like I hope that as we come out of the strikes, sort of bring our conversation full circle back to where we started a little bit. Um, I hope as we come out of the strikes that we get to see a little bit of that shepherding go on between all the various projects that we know, like coming out of Ectofest. Yeah, we were all like standing there listening to like, hey, this is all the stuff we're going to be doing. And we're yeah. like, wait, what? Like you have a comic book? You have a VR game, you have a video game, like some of those things are here, right? The VR game is around the corner and landing yeah. like mm -hmm. this month, like next month, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And some people have already done like early reviews of it and it's, it's getting, it's, it's embargoes lifted and it's getting kind of a, a lukewarm, I think from some folks, but we'll see. Um, but like the, you know, Spirits Unleashed has been out for a year and has been like a year of DLC packs and things. And there's going to mm -hmm. be new story elements coming to it because yep. we know Sam Hain is coming and there's a new at least there's got to be some new voice acting because they hired somebody for that and introduced us to that person. Yep. And then we know like there's cartoons coming. We know there's a movie coming. We, so it's like, I hope that we get to see that process of sort of brand shepherding happen with Ghostbusters and the same yeah. way that it's happened with these other things. And that we don't. And, and I feel in some ways like it's been awkwardly put upon toy companies to do that work, merchandise companies to do it yeah. in the yeah. past. So I hope that now that there's this much stuff in the works, that we kind of get to see it all continue to play out. And along those same lines, if they come along and they say, Hey, we want to do a new Ghostbusters project that has nothing to do with this particular Ghostbusters universe while we're doing things inside this universe, the same way they go, Hey, we're going to take the Ninja Turtles and we're going to not, you know, there's this version of it. And then we're going to do a different version of it. I'm okay with that. And there's some people yeah. who get very upset about that, but like that is part of keeping a brand and like a franchise and a storytelling and a narrative. Mm -hmm. Like, alive you know yeah. is making sure you keep telling more stories with it so i don't know um maybe that's a big ramble if not if it was <laughs> i was still fun it was still us fun ramble ridiculous <laughs> not a thing it's not a yeah. thing yeah. hey one one thing i should tell you before we wrap up this uh this conversation i think you should know when you come up here to ventura maybe this is something we should look at collaboratively to figure out what the deal is with it there is a hollow gate location at buena lanes in Ventura. Mm, I don't know if it has the Ghostbusters hollow gate experience uh, because I haven't done that yet. I haven't looked mm. into it, but mm -hmm. maybe I should find out before you come up here because you're going to be, be cool. up here for the two days before you drive back down that bowling alley is right off the freeway. You could wouldn't mind like, taking a, taking a detour for a couple hours. Go get yourself some VR. I don't know if it'll yeah. be a couple hours because it's like a 15 minute VR experience. You used to play it a bunch of times. All right, a 15 minute detour. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it might be a few hours. You could get there and be like, we need to do it again. And then you just spend like $3,000 on buying VR for the next six hours. That's a thing. Why not? But Why not? It's what you're doing with the charity donations. Now I know. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah. It's obviously not what you're doing with them. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Jim. 
You've exposed us for who we really are. <laughs> yes, you're just people who take money and then go spend it on VR. That's what that, yeah. that, of all the things you yeah. could spend it on. You were like, what what material goods did you buy? Like none. That's how we never get caught. We only spend it on virtual goods. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, there was a bit on SNL where it's like the fake castings of like famous movies. And they're like Wesley Snipes for Jurassic Park. And he's like, <laughs> it's like, I'm telling you, man. Just spend all your money. I mean, the IRS can't take it if it's already gone. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I am excited to uh, to to see you all at uh, Seaside Oddities this weekend in Ventura. Uh, folks, if you're in the area, come on out. Say hi. Uh, no one bites. Everyone says hello. And maybe you can participate in a raffle and win something, which would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, if nothing else, there's going to be a lot of cool vendors and a lot of cool stuff to check out. Uh, I'm excited. I need some new Halloween decor. so. Yeah. I'm to pick up some cool stuff while I'm there. Uh, beyond that, people can, of course, uh, always follow you at LA Ghostbusters. Um, anything else you want them to know about in terms of upcoming events or anything they should know and plug away? Yeah, follow us on at LA Ghostbusters on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, and on TikTok. We no longer have a Twitter or an X account um, just because of the atmosphere of that platform was not to our, you know, the kind of environment that we want to put out there so we decided to withdraw um, how strange there, it's almost as if this podcast said something similar might happen here yeah <laughs> um there is there is one other event that i want to put on everybody's calendar and it is for october 29th sunday october 29th um at the scum and villainy cantina in hollywood we are coming back um to celebrate halloween this year with our friends at uh, the scum and villainy cantina we will be hosting a horror themed trivia not ghostbuster themed and we will also be doing a costume contest uh we will have a raffle with some more prizes we'll be there earlier in the day uh since scum and villainy now is open for brunch on sundays we'll be there in the early afternoon so trivia i think right now we're looking at starting between two and three o'clock wrapping trivia closer to five and then the costume contest closer to 5 30 and then uh, just doing a few raffles uh, throughout the evening. Uh, while you're there, I highly encourage you that if you are going to partake in some libations, that you partake in the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Martini that was designed for our inaugural uh, event at Scum and Villainy uh, mm-hmm. two years ago. It is very good. And $3 from every uh, martini you buy from that Thursday through Halloween, will go towards the Starlight Children's Foundation. That's awesome. So yeah, come check I've us out. I've had a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun at your events at Scum and Villainy. Um, you won the grand prize last year, my friend. I did. Um, I will not win the grand prize of a horror costume or a horror contest, but this year's <laughs> grand prize contest. I'm capable. This year's <laughs> grand prize uh, is going to be um, a Michael Myers uh, hot toys from Sideshow Collectibles uh, nice. that they very graciously donated. And so I I can't tell you anything about the trivia. What I will say is if you want to have a leg up on the competition, there is a whole round dedicated to the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror series. Ooh, that's cool. So I highly recommend that if you, there are a ton of horror movies out there. i I'm trying to stick to what has been more kind of mainstream horror, not so much like niche films or like little yeah. cult movies that no one ever saw. Uh, but I'm sticking with mainstream horror. I, I'm writing the trivia this year. Hocus Pocus. Clearly there's a Hocus Pocus round. 
No, there's no, actually, there's no Hocus Pocus question on there, uh, but a whole round is dedicated to the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. So if you watch, if you watch them through, uh, you were bound to get uh, some of those right. So. All right. Watch all of the movies that are currently being pushed at Spirit Halloween. There's a Mars (laughs) Attacks round. Um, No, there's not because you know what I'll you know what I'll I'll do for everybody. So, you know, a whole round is Treehouse of Horror. I will give you the titles of each round. I won't tell you the films that are involved, but you might be able to guess. So round one for that trivia will be A Nightmare on Friday the 13th. That'll be particularly slasher films or thrillers. Uh, round two is called Paranormal Activity. There may be some Ghostbuster questions in there. Mm. Yeah. Round three is Aliens and Predators, uh, which may deal with extraterrestrial uh, uh, horror. Round four is Treehouse of Horror. And then number five is going to be called Once Bitten, and it's going to be all about uh, zombies, vampires, and werewolves. So there and are also a... the movie Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Uh, deepest, <laughs> bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun for real um it's gonna be fun i would yeah i'm I'm sure and i imagine that'll be a a different group of uh people who come out to scum and villainy than just a straight-up ghostbusters group um you know sort of event so halloween is definitely a, a bigger thing and that's why we wanted to participate in it and we wanted to make it make our events you know a little more accessible and we thought well they're already gonna do a big halloween event you know the weeks prior, right. why don't we just work with them and maybe we host it? So yes. this is a, not a traditional Ghostbusters night at Scum and Villainy. This is Halloween at Scum and Villainy, hosted by the Los Angeles Ghostbusters. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. October well, 29th. Come on out. So either come out to Seaside Oddities this weekend in Ventura if you're in the area, or if you're not and you're in LA, which you, you know, there's more and more people in LA than there are in Ventura. Um, then go on out to Scum and Villainy Cantina um, over in Hollywood on the 29th of October, which is an awesome like Star Wars themed bar if you've never been into it. Yes. Uh, but it's it's very much more a nerd palace than it is a Star Wars themed bar because it's Star Wars in terms of aesthetics, but absolutely everything pop culture and nerdy um, yes. that you could possibly love in that place. It's a great place to hang out. So, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast um, and talking with us and kind of catching up with us a bit about the writer strike and talking with us about all these things that you're doing charity wise. I'm hoping that next time we talk, there'll be a lot more concrete in the works that we can chat about in terms of things you're doing with starlight. And I wish you the best of luck in raising some funds this weekend. And I'll probably give you some money when I see you, Jim, thank <laughs> you so much. I, I seriously, I always love, you know, chatting with you, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's, you know, bumping into you at a con. Um, thank you so much for letting me come on here and, ramble with you about the stuff that we're up to um it's it's always fun to chat and i i always have a blast being on here thank you so much i always enjoy you coming so please come back and we'll talk to you again soon sounds good thanks buddy all right take care that about wraps things up for extra plasma this week i want to say thank you again to matt for coming on the show uh and for letting us know a bit about what the la ghostbusters are getting up to and what to keep our eyes out for in terms of potential Uh, charity work that may be out there for the future in terms of opportunities for Ghostbuster fans, uh, as well as, you know, uh, things to go out and support now. If you want to do something to uh, help support uh, the LA Ghostbusters and their work with Starlight Foundation, you can still, of course, uh, donate to their campaign. You can go check out the links in their bio on Instagram, etc. Remember, they're not on Twitter anymore. 
Um, and if you're in the Los Angeles or Ventura County or Santa Barbara County area in California by any chance, feel free to come on out this weekend to uh, Seaside Oddities and uh, meet up with the LA Ghostbusters, engage their raffle, etc. Bring a costume if you want and donate it to help support the kids of Luskin Orthopedic Hospital. Um, it'd be really something cool that you can do to make a difference. Beyond that, I want to say thank you, of course, as always, to uh, Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who is feeling better and still in the United States. Uh, and you can see his glowing smile next to Adam Savage over on the Phantasm Toys uh, Instagram page because he looked pretty happy to have met somebody who I think he considers close to a hero uh, in terms of design and building and stuff. Uh, and we thank him, of course, for providing our logo and our visual identity. And I want to say thank you to, uh, to Vaporwave artist Magnavox, who provides our theme music. And of course, I want to say thank you to you for listening. Because uh, the show would be pretty boring if you weren't out there listening, commenting, and offering up your insights on a regular basis. You can, of course, offer comments, ideas, suggestions, or things you'd like to hear about in the podcast by contacting me via Extraplasm on Instagram. Extraplasm on that thing that used to be bird-themed called X, or at least for a little while longer. Extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. Extraplasmpodcast on Facebook. And, of course, now Extraplasmpodcast on YouTube. So lots of places for engagement. Come on down and share what you've got because I'm ready to believe that you've got something to contribute. Again, uh, thank you again for listening. Um, and as always, as Ernie Hudson reminds us every week, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>